the obvious topic. You guys finally get a Destiny 2 episode. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Sawbridge is bringing you guys lucky episode 94. Look, we realized that me hitting the table was just not a very audibly pleasant experience, even though it's been tradition. Uh, but you know what? There's nothing like 94 episodes in to decide that you want to completely change everything you're doing with your life. Uh, so this has now become uh, not a gaming podcast. This is now a woodworking construction podcast. So with that being said, let's just, let's just, when we get like microphone arms and like, let's just get like a piece of plywood and sit on it and you just smash through it as like a meme video. Like, Welcome. And just completely just destroy the table. Destroy it. Yeah. It'd be the temporary table. But anyway, jokes aside, we are Triangle Square Day PlayStation podcast. We come to you every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST uh, for video pleasure. You can find us on YouTube. And you, if you like what we're doing there, consider subscribing, hitting the bell notification, uh, let you know when our videos go live, which we said every Monday, but there are also our bi-weekly reader mails that are coming up. And of course, other things we have in the work right now under our general umbrella of NARTEC gaming and or NARTEC, we are kind of focusing on how to fit, how to handle that uh, for the future right now. Uh, but you can also find us. Oh, actually, if you listen to us on YouTube and you have any thoughts about what we're talking about, let us know in the comments below. We like to hear your thoughts on everything that we talk about. If you want to listen to us only and just hear our soothing voices and my terrible lisp in your headphones, in your car, at your desk, whatever, you can find us on podcast services, be it iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts. If it's a podcast service, I can guarantee you are on there. And if it's not, message us, tell me so I can beat somebody up. I'm kidding. Violence is never an answer, except for in video Sometimes. games. Sometimes. True. Okay. Anyway, uh, you can find us on social media if you'd like at Triangle S Q R D. That's our Twitter handle. Uh, if you want to find us on Facebook, we are we have a Facebook group, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. You can ask to be joined there, and we will gladly do so. I will. Saul does not have a Facebook. Just so set your expectations right. If you want to talk to us all day, every day moment to moment you can join our discord which we have in the description below and if you would like to support what we're doing with the show uh with some changes that are going to be coming to that you can find us on patreon if you still use patreon uh at tr at patreon.com slash nartech gaming that is our parent come like we said our parent channel idea so you can find us there support us there we have some cool ideas coming i teased and we would love to hear your feedback specifically on one thing um we wanted to kind of do a system to reward people who uh, support us or back us uh, for long periods of time. And the thing I thought would be the most cool would be personalized little trophies. Uh, and we were trying to figure out how often we'd be able to give those and what pricing we could do. Uh, so our current idea, and this is subject to change, let us know your thoughts, uh, is going to be that at the six month mark of you supporting us at this tier, you will get a customized little bronze trophy. Uh, it'll be a trophy just like you expect on a platform the platform will have information like your gamer tag on it and so how long you've been a supporter of us uh, and then after a year that will be a silver trophy sent to you the same basic idea uh, and then a gold and then lastly once you've supported us for two years a platinum uh, if you think that's too big of an amount of time let us know we can't guarantee anything right now we're trying to figure out the best way to do this from a cost perspective but it's a fun way of feeling like it, I like the idea of you've 
you've done something to support us, so we're giving you a, a fun reward back. And trophies seem the most fitting for what we're doing on the show here and our love of PlayStation and our love of trophies. Um, so it seemed like a cool way to move forward and have something for you guys to show. And it would also give you cool trophies if you don't have any, like the one that I've showed prominently on this show a number of times. I should have grabbed it and pulled it in. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. We will. We are working on doing a trial one right now and having uh, our, our contact uh, send one to us. Shout out to John. Uh, so once we have that, we'll have a picture to give you an idea of what they are uh, and then get a little bit more feedback. And then from there, because we aren't just made of money, uh, we're going to make a Patreon goal. And what we'll do is once we hit the goal that we meet, be it number of patrons or uh, money per month, we will go ahead and move that into uh, into working and that's just so that we don't end up putting a lot of money down on the line and then nobody doing it not that we think that's going to happen and the reception from the twitter post so far has been good but we don't want that to be something that just happens and then we end up with a lot of little trophies as cool as they may be uh so with that said saw i think it's time to move into the episode what have you been playing this week destiny 2 and divinity 2 2 d2s yeah so that's kind of it we've really been grinding on destiny 2 for the forges uh, finally got our clan together, the Shadow of Yarnum. So if you guys want to be part of the Soy Boys, uh, it is an open clan. Uh, if you just search the Shadow of Yarnum on Bungie Clans, you can find it and just jump on in. Uh, or if you want to play Destiny with us, we play pretty much three or four nights a week. And we're right now focusing on forges and unlocking forges for those that don't have them unlocked. And then, of course, once we get enough people who are high enough level, we'll do raids. Um, so, yeah. Uh, always feel free to join us on that at us. We put our PSNs in the description below. Uh, but yeah, Divinity 2, like I said last week, I think in the week before to get my D&D itch, I've been playing that. So that's really yeah. it. Uh, I've seen you on Destiny a lot. I haven't seen you on that, but I guess, you know, we do have oddly differing I, well, schedules. I, do. I, I had myself offline until I play Destiny because now that Joe is no longer part of the clan I'm in, I left that clan. So he cannot actually see me online in Destiny to go to my party. So... More all Fair reason enough. for Joe to uh, hop in our clan, but he's being kind of stubborn. He wants us to get a raid together for three weeks in a row. So we need four talented individuals that will raid with us three weeks in a row and join our clan. So which I think I'll we're pay you very close to. I think Vince will. Vince, um, Kiki, uh, Liam. Uh, we have Jason now, so that I'm looking forward to playing with him. Uh, Gavin, Gavin, and so like that right there. I think we enough. have a group. Yeah, we have. We, we got to convince Joe to do it. But yeah, if you want to join that, uh, head on over and do that. You can play with us, uh, and definitely saw. I still play a lot, but I'm also trying to work through other stuff. So anything else? No, that's it. Okay, well, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, finally, I bought it back on Black Friday while it was twenty seven dollars because I figured, hey, it's unlikely that it'll be this cheap or at least any cheaper than this anytime soon. So I'll go ahead and catch it. Uh, so I finally started it up, and you know, it's an interesting thing. I felt this way about Origins too, but the Assassin's Creed series is in this weird area where I feel like the game is fine. I'm actually having a lot of fun with it, uh, and it's got some small things that do make you go, well, this is trying to be an Assassin's Creed game, but there's so much more that's like, this is not trying to be an Assassin's Creed game. Now, that's for the better and for the worse. Um what they did is they took the same approach that you saw uh, Gorilla take with like Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, where you can go stealthy if you want to, and you can hide. And this is also probably pretty similar to what I've seen and what I imagine it plays like in the newest Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. But essentially, you can hide and brush and everything, and that'll hide you from enemies, and you can stealth attack them and whatnot. And there's benefits for doing that. You have armor that gives you different stats and the armor's leveled so there's actually a reason to want to get some there's different levels of armor you can have legendary rare all these different 
levels of it so that they're there. Um, but it does come off feeling like it really probably shouldn't be an Assassin's Creed game. And that's both of these games have a weird thing. The story justifies the change in mechanic enough that it's okay to an extent because like in origins, the assassins guild or whatever you want to call it, the assassins uh, group has not been started until the very end of it. Right. Uh, and then that's where you roll through into it. And everybody knew that I really wouldn't consider that spoiler territory, but in case you thought it was, uh, that's why it's origins. But yeah, so you go into that. So it's like, okay, well then they wouldn't have this style of fighting down yet because they're not actively seeking to be assassins. They're actually just rolling through some events that lead to the assassins being there once they realize that they need to operate from a little bit more in the shadows. And you really enjoyed Origins, right? I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It had its problems, uh, and, and so does uh, Odyssey to an extent. Uh, but it's fun, and you know, it's one of those things where Odyssey takes place even before Origins. And it's from what I can understand, it's the Origins of the Templar, which is the longtime Assassin's Creed... Um, bad guy you know the the or at least from the our side of the group it's the uh the opposition of the assassins so it's interesting in the way that this is going on and the game is good but there's a there's a couple of things where i feel like they almost purposely took a lot of inspiration from horizon so do you remember the cauldrons in horizon and how when you'd go to them they'd have these big triangular doors yeah okay there's literally a place in assassin's creed that looks just like where that. you go to it and it's like this weird island of something. It's supposed to be some crazy thing that came before. Uh, and this is pretty early game, but spoiler section just for a couple seconds, and it's not anything major. But essentially, you have to have a certain thing, there, and you have it because you're of a certain thing, and then it, it'll open this door for you that no one else was able to get into all this time. Um, and it just it comes off a lot like dealing with what happened in horizon and the imagery used like the big triangular structure where you go in and there's things that look like they're obviously too advanced for the world that we're in currently. Uh, and it's, it was very interesting, but the game is good. Uh, I'm playing as Cassandra. Um, I don't know how that plays out because you can choose to be Alexios or Cassandra. And the story essentially just flips itself depending on which character you go with. Huh. Um, they're not major changes, but I, I think that if you ever get time, I think you would enjoy I the I just game. looked it up on PSN store. It's still $60. Yeah, I figured. Absolutely not. Yeah, I bought it physically. So if nothing else, when I'm done with it, I may let you borrow it if you have interest in I thought you it. saw it already. Odyssey? Or no, Origins? I'm talking about Origins. Oh, no. Origins. Uh, no, no, I, I, I sold it already. It's still $60. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, I've been having fun with that. And obviously, I played Destiny 2 with you guys a couple times this week. And uh, let's see. Still playing Iconoclast on Vita. Getting my Vita time in. Uh, and I guess, I, I mean, if you want to throw this in there, I played slash watched Bandersnatch like right after we recorded last week. It was good. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I fell asleep through half of it, and now we ended up going back through and finishing it up. Um, but it was really good. Oh, are you saying it was boring, Saul? No, I was just that tired. <laughs> yeah. It, we did it very late, too, and we kept going back and getting different endings for a little bit, and then we were just like, well, we're too tired. It's 1 o'clock, and we really need to go to sleep. Yeah. I do plan to eventually go back and see if I can get like just a wildly different ending, but it was pretty good apparently, and an interesting idea. Apparently, there's still endings people haven't gotten yet. Yeah, so... I'm a little surprised at that, but yeah, if you haven't seen that, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I ended up not watching it with... Uh, uh, controller because we were just in the bed and like we rolled across it. I wanted to see if the controller would actually react, like if they had built something in visually or into the video that was because it wasn't a normal video. And the reason you know that is because you could not fast forward. You could only do chunks of time, and eventually it would stop you 
if you were coming up to a decision. I never tried that. So it wasn't a standard video file. So I wonder if they would have been able to encode a way for if it could tell that you were using a controller to send vibration, like, you know, to send dual shock. Oh, I'm signals. sure. I'm sure they could have done that. I'm just, I think that might have been too much time for them. Yeah. And I don't know if they did or not. I really, I'm going to go look it up. I meant to because I, it's one of those things where I feel like people are probably saying it jokingly, like, well, it's a game. So, but I am curious mm. if you had that experience you played with a controller, let me know. Yeah, for those that have never done it before, uh, I highly suggest you check out that series that it came from, Black Mirror. I have still not done that, but that to. has every episode's a standalone episode made me interested. In yeah, it. yeah. Uh, but I guess we'll drop into the hop for those that uh, missed that term, and uh, for those that uh, don't know what the series is, this is this week's PlayStation releases coming over uh, from the drop at the PSN blog. First up on the list, we have Ace Combat Seven: Skies Unknown. We have. As Divine Hearts 2 for PS4 and PS Vita. The Grand Tour game for PS4. Holy Potatoes, We're in Space for PS4. Kingdom of Blades for PSVR. Onimusha Warlords for PS4. Panda Hero for PS4. Planet Rix 3 or RIX or 13 for PS4 and PS Vita. Resident Evil 2 One-Shot Demo for PS4. Smoke and Sacrifice for PS4. Vane for PS4. The Walking Dead, the final season, episode 3 for PS4. Y2K, a postmodern RPG for PS4. And that's it. Okay. Well, Y2K has been in development for a long time. I've played it at the two both PSXs I went to. So that's, that's 2016 and 2017, and it still hadn't been out. I've heard uh, That's good one things of those funny it. things. Huh? I've heard like good things about it. Yeah, it was really interesting. It has a... The way, unless they, because that's another thing actually that we we talked about that in in terms of Celeste, it's it's very interesting seeing games that stay in development this long because they change a lot of things about them from when you see them at trade shows like that, uh, or you know whatever you want to call it, fan shows or whatever. Uh, but you know we saw Celeste and it was in a very very different form than what it launched in. It was still a platformer, of course, and it was still a precision flat platformer, but it didn't really have any focus on story. It uh, the character looked different. A lot of the world art was very differently done, and you saw the game change into something totally different i'm almost curious if y2k is still staying the way it was uh, but just kind of give you have you seen anything on it like the way that it plays out no so it's, it's a turn-based thing and essentially with it being the y2k y2k thing it it plays on a lot of weird like th these are hipsters and like they roll through and like one of them will use like a record player and like vinyls as their weapon and one of them, I think, has a guitar and stuff. It's a very interesting... I get a very beautiful Joe feel from it, from the art style. Yeah, I guess definitely the the proportions of the characters. Um, but it's, it's it's an interesting little way. And the way you move around the world is kind of interesting because it's almost like a somewhat Zelda-like setup. Uh, but the game does look really good. Uh, another thing of interest on there is that we're finally getting episode three of the uh, final season of Walking Dead, the Telltale series, uh, which About is time. now being handled by the new, new developer. But from everything we know, it's majority of the same devs that weren't able to necessarily find work. Uh, so that's good in terms of keeping the vision of it together. Uh, but that is, it's interesting we finally get that. I wonder how on schedule we'll get four and five. 
Because, you know, typically yeah, Telltale I, had a bad I, problem I'm guess scheduling. by the end of probably February and or March, but I guess we'll see. I'd say March seems reasonable. One a month doesn't seem that crazy. No. Which is not even true of what Telltale's normally done. I mean, some of their games would take eight months to fully come out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty um, ridiculous. So one a month would not be awful. That'd be five months for a wait. That seems reasonable, in my opinion. But I've never followed them necessarily. Like, the only couple I followed, I think, uh, from launch throughout was Batman, uh, Season 2, Enemy Unknown, uh, and then secondarily the... Uh, Gardens of the Galaxy one, and they were very, very far between and, and super far off. I bought Gardens of the Galaxy because I bought all the previous ones used. Did you ever play like, that? Yeah, it was good. Uh, but I bought it. You, I bought everything else used that I bought, like Wolf Among Us and um, uh, what was the other one? Batman. I bought yeah. not used, but I bought for ten dollars at Target, brand new. So I was just kind of like, well. I'm playing through these, but I feel like I'll buy this one because I enjoyed the last two and I haven't bought anything full price, so I'll support them. And then I end up regretting that because I didn't play it until way later. Yeah. And it was just, and it felt like, well, I feel like I wasn't bummed, I guess, that I supported them. I was bummed that the support came at such a long waiting cost. And that's my own fault because I don't like playing those episodic titles as an episodic release. I wait until they're all there and then play Tales them. Tales from the Borderlands was pretty good. Yeah, it was. And that was a, that, that was, see, and that was another one. I played that one free because of PS Plus. So I guess I just felt like I bought I owed that them a like little. a month before it came out free. I hate it when that happens. But uh, <laughs> that happened to me too. Brett, why don't you go ahead and move on into the news? Sure. Uh, let's see. I think we'd also be remiss real quick if I didn't shout out the fact that Ace Combat's coming out. So. You know what? Have fun with it, Ryan. I'm going to wait, look and see some stuff, and then I'm going to get it. I know that it's not necessarily super, uh, what should I say? It's not trying to be a um, Simu- simulator. simulator. It's more of an action game, but I've just never played the franchise. So I will look and see. I will see how well you respond to it, and then I might pick it up whenever I have a chance. But this is a bad month for it, is all I'm going to say. First thing on the list, though, and this is a great one. Sony announced that 91.6 million PS4 units have now been sold, and that's up from the 86.1 million they had last November. So if put that in perspective, that means that they sold 5.5 million units over the holiday season, essentially across a little over you know a month and a half. Um, I imagine that's in really big part to the $200 Spider-Man Slim bundle that they did during Black Friday that literally sold so quickly and then so bad that this is how you know when things go crazy it sold so quickly and so crazily that there were people trying to scalp them oh yeah the next day for double the price yeah human scum yeah oh man when you see like people with like a buggy full of 10 or 15 of them it's like really yeah and i thought it was in i I don't recall seeing anything that even gave a limit you know normally stores exactly yeah and i thought and most and if if, and most stores like i did hear stories that people were told to put back all but two yeah two seems to be usual you know it's like well maybe you're buying one for your kids and your kids yeah yeah or or each of your kids yeah but people who buy 15 of that kind of stuff that whole like i'm gonna buy it up and resell it culture is is one of the worst well ones. i mean it, it obviously it helps playstation reach numbers like this uh because they may not i mean don't be wrong at yeah, but, that price i imagine it would have sold ridiculously yeah but anyway. when you think about it too is this that would mean that this would be an artificial number well it's not an artificial number because they will eventually go out to hands but i do get what you're saying is that there's a chance there that could these be somebody for a little like bit sitting with 20 playstation 4s in their in their room right now yeah waiting to sell S- them. slowly pulling the price down because think about it, if you got it at 200 dollars plus tax let's just say 220 uh 10 tax rates about the highest i've ever seen and that's yeah. what we have 10.25 um they'll probably end up selling it at like 250 if it, it, honestly because you have to deal with shipping as well if they sell it for 300 they're probably okay you know what i mean yeah but you could still buy new ones for 300 
yeah. in a store. Like, and I still see those Spider-Man ones everywhere. Yeah, I know. That's it's what's ridiculous. Very, it's really interesting. But then again, those were, I think, the original Spider-Mans. I don't know. Our area is also weird. You don't see people necessarily scalp as often in our area as you would yeah. in bigger cities. So, Which is good. But anyway, let's see. To put that in context, because I thought this was really cool, uh, it's getting very, very close to breaking into the top five consoles of all time. So just to kind of go through those, Right now, the Wii is sitting in fifth place, all right? and that's just at a little over 101 million. So I would imagine that it's very possible, though I'm not necessarily sure, and so follow me here, and I'm curious as what your thoughts are on this. How likely, and we've seen people on Discord give their thoughts too, and I'm, I'm really a little torn. How likely do you think it is that they might be able to break 100 million units before summer, or at least essentially by E3 time, June? If you think about it, we're at 91.6. There's no so they need to sell somewhere in the out. vicinity of eight and a half. There's well, no, there's, there's, a, there's Days Gone is the only notable one. That's not going to sell that many And consoles. that's exactly, see, my, well, Absolutely at, at least not. at launch, it's not for sure. But if it has. That game's not even going to be a contender to buy a PS4, in my opinion. Well, I mean, yeah, but we don't know. And that's essentially what I mean. And don't be wrong, I think the game is going to be good. It's going to be good enough. But it obviously doesn't have the same weight as things like Ghost of Tsushima do. Yeah. Uh, Last of Us 2. Yeah. And, and now, what's also interesting about that is that by the end of the year, I think there's no no doubt that it'll break 100 million. There's no way it wouldn't. I mean, this will be the year yeah, it breaks 100 it's, million. It's, it's pretty impossible at this point. Uh, but. I think that the reason that I'm a little torn on this, and we've talked about this a number of times, I think it's possible, but it would it would have to be because of a lot of third-party, really smart marketing. So uh, if they get the marketing with, uh, which I don't think they will, but let's just say, uh, let's say they get the marketing with Anthem, which I'm pretty sure has already been announced to be Xbox, right? Uh, I know that yeah. Metro marketing is with Xbox. Yep. So that means two of the biggest uh, third-party things that are happening in the first part of the year are going to be Xbox. But let's just say they get a couple of great third-party marketing exclusives and they really push home like they did with Red Dead, which helped them obviously jump a lot uh, from the time that they announced back in June that they were like 80-something million and got them up to 86. They gave them like 5 million in a short period. Uh, that wasn't holiday season necessarily. So if they're smart and they try and couple with the right games uh, third-party-wise and they get to they get that out of the door there is a chance that they'll see burst in sales because of those based off the reception of those games uh so there that could happen days gone let's say it does come out and to everyone's like crazy and don't wrong nobody's saying it's going to be a bad game i've really not seen that no what I'm just saying it's most not people be. are saying it's just going to be a solid game but it's not going to have the same exclusive it's gonna and this is almost gonna sound derogatory but i don't mean it that way it's gonna fall more in line with what you saw out of the order it's a great exclusive or a good enough exclusive but it's not necessarily this well it's a reason to buy the console yeah you didn't you're not gonna see people all over twitter hundreds and hundreds of people hyping it up like they did spider-man yeah oh definitely not spider-man that's yeah yeah so uh, that's but i think you're not even gonna see numbers comparison to that to horizon that, that seems reasonable. Yeah. Horizon was a pretty interesting idea. So it's 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 a very it's a it's a very uh, whereas this is a little it's, more. It's safe. not going to be. It's not, yeah. It's not going to be impactful to the sales that much. Like it's not going to convince people to go out and buy a PlayStation Four. At launch, I'm with you, but I do think that there's a chance that the game reviews so super well. It depends on if it reviews so exactly super well, exactly. Like, that's I, what I don't I mean. think it's going to review that well. I mean, yeah. the last time we saw it, there was glitches and bugs and clipping and all kinds of bad stuff about it. 
I guess I don't remember that, but yeah, I mean, it was it, it it looked pretty janky. There were some of the animations weren't as smooth as they could have been, and which was it, it was alpha build. Was it during the Game Informer open month spiel? I don't think so. Because if it was, that would make sense because I didn't watch most of that. But I've watched obviously the Game Informer tri- the fifteen minute thing. Yes, that might have been it then. Yeah, I'm trying to think if it was them or not. I though. think it was because the only time the only other two times I've seen it, obviously, and because I'm I'm we talked about this before. We try and give ourselves enough information to try and realistically talk about things, but also because of the way we are, we'd like to not give everything about a game away. Uh, so in that effort, you know, I don't think I saw that the two times I saw it on PlayStation show floor, which would have been far more polished because it's really going out. Um, even though I think the Game Informer would be pretty polished. I mean, the Game Informer is a big magazine and the whole point of an open month spill is to do that. checking real quick. Um, but anyway, let's just say, let's say that it reviews incredibly well, Right. And it gets such good word of mouth that it does pick up and they get, uh, let's just say they get another 1 million out of that. There is a chance that by the time June hits, they could hit that number. I'm more curious though, and this is something that's going to affect how how much farther along it gets up this top five chain by the end of the year, of what is exactly going to happen. Have you seen, okay, Alana Pierce from IGN, you know what I'm talking about? I think Australian. Yeah, girl. she she actually just joined Rooster Teeth. I'm pretty sure. Exactly. Okay, she tweeted that she's been told by a number of people that the plan is for The Last of Us Two to release in 2019. Now, as I've said before, why I've would done, she know that? I mean, she was an IGN. She was a big, you know, in the in the game. Does media. anybody at IGN know that though? I mean, like, I didn't. They, I didn't think people at IGN just knew like when like Window for Games releasing. I mean, they talk. They talk to developers. It. You know, it could be. It could be small things that they said behind. That seems like that's some real bad red tape to cross. I mean, she said it's subject to change, obviously. Uh, that still it, seems like that's some real big red tape to cross. That's, that's really not that weird for the games media, man. You think about the stuff that Jason Schreier's done and talked about. Oh, well, I know that some stuff. of the stuff he's done is red tape. He, he's a good guy at everything. And I'm not yeah, saying Alana's not but, a, a, that's a nice girl extent. or whatever, but I'm just saying, like, that sounds like that's like. <laughs> Well, lose you a job, and if you really think about it, she's not in the she's not in IGN anymore, so it doesn't really matter. And she and these may just be friend things, but anyway, she tweeted that this was coming. This that the the plan was for it to come this year. So you know, originally I said if of the big three that we have right now uh, that we don't quite know about, the big three being at least I think for most people is going to be uh, Ghost of Tsushima, The Last of Us Part Two, and Death Stranding. So of those three. I, I was originally saying that I don't know, like, of them all, Death Stranding seems like a shoe-in because everything that we keep hearing about, it seems like it's entering its final phases and ready to go. Uh, so I do think there's a chance, of, a very high chance, that maybe even somewhere around summer we get uh, Death Stranding. Now, the other side of things is, the of the other two, I've seen certain people, and definitely I think World End was even one of them, say that he thinks there's a chance that World... that um, Ghost of Tsushima would release before The Last of Us Part Two, and I, looking at the way the two have been presented, I feel like that's not necessarily a safe way to 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 look at it. In my, I feel like the more obvious answer would be that The Last of Us Two, because it's been given. The only thing that it's that neither of these games, actually none of no no three of them, have been given the one month, uh, the whole month long Game Informer presentation that we saw happen for God of War, Spider Man, and Days Gone. Yeah, all right. Now, those are two games that we already obviously already out, and then one that's coming out pretty soon uh, and was supposed to be out sooner than it even is now. But the others, is it makes it hard to... like. So I think in these coming months, if we get... It a, was Game Informer, by the way. I just found the video. It's okay. a 30-minute video on YouTube. And you can see what I'm talking about. There's parts in that video that look off, and there's parts in it that... 
uh, I don't have enough time in the episode, obviously, to go through and get timestamps, but there's times like when the frames drop really, really bad, and there's times that when there's clipping really, really bad. Yeah. And then there's, what is it uh, called, like, whenever um, character collision. I'm like, when something runs into you or you run into it, it looks really janky. But then again, it's alpha footage. But you don't see a lot of people talking about Days Gone the same way. I don't think Days Gone is going to be a system seller. Yeah, I don't, I, I and I think that unless it reviews really, really well, which I know that it's not a really unpopular opinion right now to say that it's probably going to get around eights, not nothing, not, not, nothing much too higher. Yeah, um, I mean, I could see eight from what we've seen and from just what it is. Um, but I don't see it stepping into the nine realm and ten realm of things. And if it does, I mean, I'm good for it. Like, I'm gonna buy it eventually. I'm not buying it on launch because there's too much crap coming out of this year that I yeah. got to get to. Reasonable, um, but. I don't think that it's going to have the same impact. Now, if it sells really well, I still don't think that that's, that game alone is going to be uh, the system seller. It's going to, it's yeah. going to add uh, the but, game to the repertoire. But let's of just say it adds games. a million. Yeah. Let's just say it adds a million system, which I, I don't know how realistic that is. People yeah. are going to buy a PS4 for that. But game. let's just, you know, well, okay, here's the, here's the flip side of it, right? Let's say that Days Gone is somehow the catalyst for people who have, for some reason, been holding off for PS4 Pro to give them way more games that they have to see the benefit from, and that this is the game that makes people who already have a PS4 upgrade to a PS4 Pro. It still counts as a system sale. That's cell. dangerous. What do you mean? If it, why would it, if it works so well as a catalyst, I'm going to assume you mean that it's going to run better. Oh yeah, but I mean more more than anything, I think that some people I know and some people have already crossed that. That line, sounds right? like it's forcing you to be out by PS4 Pro to get the best experience. No, 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 no. I don't mean in that sense. I just mean like you have the two and it runs better, but you want to play it at its absolute best, right? And then there's a couple of people, or you know, let's just say the number of people. The game's going to sell a million. I don't doubt that any number. I mean the the order. I'm talking about a million. I'm talking about a million PS4. Sure, I know, and that's where I'm going at. So we already, I can go ahead and say the game's for sure going to break a million. All right, the order broke over a million. Yeah, uh, and despite being reviewed poorly, yeah, even so, near, stuff like Nier is up in three millions now. I think. Yeah, now that's close. over. That's over time. But I'd say that you know there's a chance that we see Days Gone hit somewhere in the vicinity of two million around launch. Uh, around launch. Now, if that's first month, who knows? Launch window. Uh, now we'll say. What, what I'm getting at there is, let's say there's people who did this with God of War. There's people who did this with Spider-Man where they were key, they kept holding off because there wasn't enough games that had pro support that they felt like it was a justifiable thing. I don't, I don't think that's a catalyst by hold, any means. Hold on. The, and the other flip side of that is that it's, it becomes a catalyst not only because there's people who might have gotten 4K TVs for Christmas who didn't have one prior, and they see Days Gone, and they see this, and they, they see this open window right here to upgrade, experience Days Gone, that it should be its best, and also utilize uh, their TV to the best of its ability. Now, that the thing means, is, though, is that Days Gone is going to be the catalyst for that because there's so many other games that we already know are good that are out that take advantage of PS4 Pro. Sure. That they would I'm not saying it will be the before. only catalyst, but it will be a yeah, catalyst. Yeah, that's, that's a weird thing, though. And with, well, with, and I'd say this, to, just, to, just to back my point up a little more, I think that these Sony first-party games always utilize the Pro so much better than any of the third-party. Red Dead Redemption being a, t- a big example, it looked maybe better on pro the hdr was kind of messy wasn't the hdr it? wasn't even real hdr yeah. and they still haven't fixed that so, so it actually looked worse when you turn hdr on so my point being is that we can't say that anthem metro and all these other games are actually going to utilize ps pro 
PS4 Pro in the same way that Days Gone might because I mean some of the absolute best showings of what the PS4 Pro can do actually all of the best showings of what the Pro can do have come from the first party stable uh, stable so that being Horizon Horizon looked notably better on PS4 Pro and ran noticeably better and the HDR was beautiful you saw that with God of War Uncharted 4 uh, you saw that with Uncharted 4 you saw, I mean the, Spider-Man the exclusives are absolutely the ones that have the, the bust the, so if you look at that why which is what makes this the least likely game to force well, you to buy a PS4 well that's Pro. why I say that this might be a catalyst you had that whole catalog of games that's already happened to and maybe you didn't have a 4k tv at that time you got one at christmas when they because they were very cheap this year and they're still cheap as you were looking at one earlier yeah, right? like 300 so for people who are getting 4k hdr tvs this year for the first time and have a base model ps4 or a slim either and they see all these games and i'm not saying that days gone will be the total catalyst but it'll no, be one saying, in it's, the it's, chamber it's, it's, to me it's very unlikely that it's going to be the one to force them to get yeah it game. won't be the one but like you say it'll be it's the exclusive that'll probably be the biggest show of what the PS4 Pro the can do people, this year the amount of people versus gonna, all the other games. The amount of people that's going to buy a PS4 Pro to play that game at its Pro Enhancements is going to be less than 10. Less than 10 people? Less than 10 people. There's not going to be... I disagree. You really think people are going to go buy a PS4 no, I'm not, Pro I'm not to play this in game? The, in the droves, but I'm, I guarantee you it's more than 10 because you don't realize... I think I'm not seeing excitement for this game anywhere. Hold on, I think you are slightly discounting too much. I I get that you're saying of you are correct very much so in the fact that it's not as hyped as The Last there's, of Us. Okay, there's, it's not as hyped no as no marketing for it. Well, I don't see Twitter ads for it. I don't see anybody talking about it on Twitter. I don't see anybody talking about it on Reddit ever. Mm-hmm. But a month and a half to two months before Spider Man came out, it was nothing but Spider Man. Well, we're also Spider-Man we're also memes. three and a half months out or three months out. Right, from but I'm still thing. even so by next month insane, if that doesn't change. Then yeah, there's a little bit. There's more. still no hype for this game even when there was hype for. Spider-Man. Spider-Man when we knew Spider-Man was coming. But Spider-Man's also a huge multimedia, I mean, I literally mean, you, multimedia but franchise. But you could say that about any first party party uh, PlayStation 4 game up to this point, except for like those like of Horizon, which still had way more hype mm-hmm. than this did months before launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Order, same ordeal, which is why I think a lot of people were felt drama, betrayed Drama by got it. it, though, no, at I think, the same time. I think people felt more betrayed, let down by it than sure. anything else. Um, but I think that it is the classic case of like, this game is going to come out with a very much of a B feel to it more than anything. It's not going to be the system seller. It's not going to be a console seller. It's going to be one of those that's like, for those that have PS4s, it's going to supplement their library to be a good game for it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be one that I'm going to go out that a person's going to go out and seek a PS4 to buy with that only in mind. Yeah, and not an individual game. And I will say that, but and it's that, one more in the slew of exclusives. And I, but even then, I'm just saying that I think you're real. But it's not even been announced. It has PS4 Pro it, support. Yeah, it has. When? Dude, they announced that it had it was running on PS4 Pro the first time they showed it. They said running on PS4 Pro. But the specifics yeah, no, they haven't gone into that, but they didn't do that on anything until about a month out from release. We didn't know about God of War's specific PS4 Pro enhancements until some point in time, about a month and a month and a half before the game. But my point being is, do you not think it's fair to say that you're being slightly hyperbolic in the fact that you think it's going to be 10 that buy it? It's not necessarily even that it's going to be something we can check easily, but it comes to the point that essentially, I, without being able to check, I guarantee you at least a thousand people will upgrade at some point in time, not necessarily only because of that game, but with that game in mind of seeing the benefits of how it runs on PS4 Pro. I think you're just a little too excessively discounting think, the hype for the game because there is I, some. There's some, obviously. but do you think there's that, that, that this game? Well, I mean, but a thousand. Out. Do you really think a thousand consoles of a PS4 Pro 
is not going to be Do you realistic think 1, for people doing. People that? are going to go buy a PS4 Pro for this one game. I'm saying with this game in mind of no, the no, I'm talking about as the Even game for the one to game. force them to I buy. Mean, the yeah, game I would more than ten absolutely because that's an unreal thing in real more life. More than ten absolutely. You, that's a, you don't think about that in real life. Like I mean, I specifically buy a PS4 Pro in mind with making sure. And I mean, I get your point. But you but had with a collection in of games. But you had a collection of games in the back of your mind that sure. You're, and I'm talking about one game. Yeah, but that's never going to be the case because the other group of that's games what already exists. With. Though. You said that somebody may want to get this game and as get a catalyst, but that means only in the fact that they are. And I said it from the very beginning that the catalyst meaning that this game would be on top of everything else. Going well, you know what? This game's coming. I actually am excited for it, and I want to play it at its very best. I got a 4K TV this Christmas, and I have all this backlog which, of games that which I've been takes playing. Me back to what I said though is that there's going to be less than two people that are going to buy this game solely for but, the but, PS4 Pro. But nothing can ever be solely for. That means that somebody no, literally that somebody lives in a shell of gaming, doesn't know shit no, else about No, that means that somebody who is not really into gaming but thinks this game looks cool, so they're going to be like, I'm going to go buy a game for this. And then they're like... A PS4 Pro. And then, well, but if they're not into gaming and they're doing that, they're not going to buy a PS4 Pro anyway, unless they're just like one of those people that got money, aren't into gaming. But if it was Spider-Man coming out and you're like, I have this fancy 4K TV in my living room. I don't play games this much. I might get a 4K or the 4K PS4 player. Fair enough. And you I know, mean, and that, that's still not for Horizon one game, can be the necessarily. Same thing. Spider-Man probably of no, I'm all talking the about, things. I'm talking about the aspect of th- not people who are not playing games that much that oh, see sure. a game they like even if you see that, that want to play the game that they want to get in 4k and they have the extra money to spare for it i get your point because now spider-man is and, the only game though just to go to or what you're saying spider-man is truly the only game that that would happen in where people who because god of war it already swings people, towards hold on god of war they could have not played uh they could have not gotten a ps4 this gen and then they saw god of war and they're like you know what i don't play many video games but I, last time i played a video game it was god of war i'm gonna buy a new I'm gonna buy the new God of War, and they get there. I'm like, it's possible because it's a franchise. It's possible, sure. But the game that's the most likely to actually do exactly what you're talking about—one game making you buy not only a ridiculously priced system if you don't play games that often—is Spider-Man, and that's realistically because Spider-Man has the backing of Marvel, which is not only big in the multimedia. That's why I said less than ten people are going to solely buy PS4 for this one game. But I mean, but I'm really not even. What I'm arguing is that that's a stupid way to look at it because very few people are going to ever buy something in a vacuum like that. That's just not the way that people. People that most consumers look at. I things. know people that do that dumb stuff. I'm not going to say them on the podcast. You know them too. We know mutual people that are <sighs> that, that 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 financially make very dumb decisions. I get that, but I like I say, majority of consumers. I'm not arguing that someone's going to literally look at Days Gone and be like, "Wow, that's so amazing." I don't play games, but this game makes me want to spend thousands of dollars. But, but the whole transpired but, of this conversation started off with, "Do you think that, that, that we're going to sell one million consoles hmm? because of Days Gone?" Well, I'm saying potential, to, potential. That, now, of course, that, that was that that's still, swinging high. In my opinion, no. Yeah, I absolutely, mean, and that's fine. But your ten is the only thing I took a real problem with because that's just being like, well, that, no one cares not about the be game. Ten people that are going to buy a PS4 Pro specifically for that one game. No one's going to buy a PS4 Pro specifically for one game outside of maybe. But Spider-Man. it's happened. It happened so many times before, though. I've seen people say Horizon caused them to get a get a, get a PS4 Pro. But that's Horizon. you're looking How at the statement different? in a vacuum. You're looking. There, you're telling me that people literally don't play these games. These are people that go Horizon again was the catalyst on top of looking at these other games that are great that I've already played. But you know what? Not only will I get to play uh, Horizon, but any other game that's going to be pro no, I, supported. I, work, of the I beginning. work with someone who literally bought a 4K TV for Horizon that's and awesome, a PS4 Pro. But that is not common, and that is very uncommon. And when I say, I'll say this. But I'm talking when about- I say hyperbole, I'm being hyperbolic and saying absolutely no one does that. That's obviously not true. There are people who make really what we would consider wild improper, uh, you know, yeah, wild, like wild decisions. But I mean, my my general point is that. 
even when you see, okay, you can't just look at a comment on the internet or a short conversation when somebody says, oh yeah, I, uh, Horizon was what made me want to buy a, a Pro. That's not, I guarantee you most people, and that's why I say most, the majority, even if that means 60% versus a 40%, but the most people are going to be going, well, Horizon made me want to buy one because it was finally like, well, not only do I get to play Horizon at its greatest, I also get to play all these other games that already but exist. That, but that Pro argument Escorts. is null in any specific game title because you could use any specific game title. Yeah, and that's on, but, but that's exactly what I'm saying is you can use a game title, one that you're excited for that's coming up around your thought of already buying a, a Pro and then going, not this game and then these other games or whatever are all going to be one reason as to why this system is going to be even more justifiable on top of the mountain of games just, that already support it. I just it. find out, I find it funny that with Anthem, Kingdom Hearts, yeah. everything that's coming out this year, people, like, there's going to be... I, and I'm not saying that being the only game, but there are people, and, and Kingdom Hearts is so close that I'm actually kind of not talking about it. Anthem is, is reasonable. I mean, it I'm comes a little bit later. Quarter. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can say first half of the year if you really that wanted too, to, yeah. uh, because, I mean, you could talk about other things that are coming around April, though I think April is when the slowdown happens from releases. You know, there's just, a lot of stuff coming in the first I just three foresee, months of this year. I foresee this game selling one million. I don't see this game, for, I don't see this game selling one million PS4s. Oh, yeah, I mean, and I, again, that was that was potential for it, and that is also in the framing of, and maybe I didn't do a great job of saying that, but that was in the framing of, of, of almost if the game people, gets great, people already have one. Yeah, so. that's what but if the game gets really great word of mouth scores, the reason that you might be able to get closer to the one million mark would be people buying a PS4 I, no, because they want. That's these not what games. it was. Closer, yes, I understand that. Well, not one million at the gate, though. Well, sure, or and not I, one million because of word of mouth on this one game. Sure, and and but I, getting closer, yes, I do okay, agree sure. with that. But I mean, I even said, but that was the question i, I said the, possibly 100 million yeah but, but we're spending too much time on we this. are but yeah but, absolutely no way though okay million. well back to the other thing of the big three real quick and then we'll move along because this we spent long on this welcome to the days gone podcast do you feel like there is a chance that two of those three games are coming this year specifically or potentially even all three and if so when do you think it because originally i was one to say that I'm, I'm going to tell you why and then see if you either agree or if you have a different thought on it because originally my mindset was around the idea that you've traditionally for the past three to four years, you've March. not seen Sony release anything pretty much after September. Maybe a little bit in October, but for That's the most say, part... February, March has been their sweet spot too, which this year exactly. is kind of... There's nothing... But that's the reason that there's a flip. So originally my mind was, well, why would Sony release those big games against competition in the uh, in the fall that the third parties are going to have? Well, the thing is, a lot of the third party games that were going to be in the fall this previous year are coming early this year instead. So what you're seeing happen is that uh, you're instead of Anthem, which would normally be a game that you'd look at and go, well, that'd, that'd be a fall release, you know, yeah. a game like that. But a that's holiday seller. But it's, it got pushed into weird systems. So I think if you look at how many games are coming this year, uh, be it from exclusives against, you know, Microsoft, if you see it from third parties, like what you're saying with Metro Exodus and Anthem and Ace Combat and Kingdom Hearts and all these other big publishers releasing their big games in the first quarter of the year instead of the last quarter of the year, that it makes more sense that Sony would actually have a great window to go and put these games out in the fall without having as much of a competition factor with the third parties. So what you end up happening is there actually is a chance that you could see, you know, uh, Death Stranding come out, let's just say June, July, maybe August. Last of Us Part 2 come out maybe August, September, October. I still don't think Last of Us is a 2019 game. I mean, reasonable enough. And that, and that's what I was getting at. So which ones do you think? Do you feel like Death Stranding is a guaranteed shoe in for this year? I feel like Death Stranding, if it's going to come out this generation and not PS5, is going to be this year. 
I do feel like... And I feel like Sony would not let him say that it was a PS4 game this whole time. If it wasn't. And seeing it running on... And that's the other thing that's important it's is running on the PS4 game has Pro. been seen running on a PS4 legitimately. Yeah, so, so. I do think that uh, Last of Us will be February next year. February and March. Uh, do you think there will be the intention for it to release this year with it being pushed back like the first one was and like Uncharted was? No. I think that it will be announced... Uh, I really With believe... With 20, 2020 date. And I do think that Ghost will be a fall 2020 game. I actually am in summer to fall in agreement of there yeah, if that summer happens. Fall. Like anywhere between, I'd say May, September. Well, here's where this gets a little stickier and, and why I think it's such an interesting thing. There have been a lot of, and don't be wrong, you can't really look at these things and, and listen to them and think that they know exactly what they're talking about, but there have been a number of analysts who have said that from everything they're seeing right now, and the chances of what's going on and what you're looking at with Sony that we might be, that it's very, very likely we'll be hearing about a, a PS5 some point in time in 2019. Now, depending on when that is, is when it starts to get really weird as to where these things go on. Where, where would it be though? Would it be similar to the PS4 and be more of a, Somewhere a, a corporate in, meeting that we get access to or because there's no E3? Yeah. There's and, no and, confirmed PSX, which, which I'm going to say there's not one. Yeah, but to be fair, PS Vita and PS4 were both announced at their own individual events. Right, yeah. So but, it would it, make sense that Sony would do their own individual event. And they don't typically do second party, third party uh, announcements there, do they? Uh, they, they, more, they will sometimes. Uh, so that's where second party, get, second party for sure. That's where we may get Death Stranding possibly. Well, and technically Death Stranding is for most intents and purposes second party. being handled right? as a first party, but it is technically a second party yeah. game. Well, yeah, it's it's what what technically makes it first party, I guess. First party is when it's supposed to be an in-house studio making it. Second party is when you get somebody like Insomniac and in this case Kojima Project Productions uh also making Decima. an exclusive title with using an exclusive Decima engine. Well, I mean there's that, but it's really just that it's an exclusive game. So like uh uh, Ratchet and Clank does not use some kind of PlayStation exclusive engine. It's just Insomniac's engine, but the yeah, game, the game and the license are owned by PlayStation to make a that second party exclusive. And that seems to be the case with what we're seeing with Death Stranding. As far as I've seen, Sony will own the IP for Death Stranding. That's Sony's go-to calling card. If the, if the game is exclusive on their console, they they nine times out of ten, really, I can't even think of an example of when they've let a game be ex, be exclusive. To their cons to them as a whole. Now I don't I don't mean PC or anything else. Not like Neo, but exclusive to them as a whole, where they did not own and they published it where they didn't own the uh, IP. Gotcha. That makes sense. So so I would honestly yeah. say that like if we're gonna get that, we're gonna get it there. Because but the, when you think about it, the, the, we we the only thing we have to look for this year in terms of announcements for these realistically is towards the end of the year, unless one of these pop pops up in May or something, and it's like, hey, this is in two weeks. Yeah, and I think the other weird thing about that, and the reason that I'm more thinking that we get one of these games, and Death Stranding seems a big, big, big issue in as well, is that Sony had three notable exclusives and more, but three notable first-party exclusives, first or second-party exclusives, because uh, Quantic Dream is technically a second-party uh, exclusive Studio. in this situation. So, but they had three notable exclusives throughout the entire year. Uh, so when you think about that, the only notable exclusive they have this year, because there's things like Concrete Genie, Genie, and I'm not. I'm not throwing any shade on them, but they are indie exclusives and they're not looked at in the same way as what you see Sony do with its incredibly large AAA so what, thing that it's what, seeing. So you have the same outlook on them on Conquer Genius I have on Days Gone. I, I Yeah, actually, like, I think it's a little... And that's why I think I'm a little more weirded out by the fact that you think so weirdly of Days Gone because Days Gone is still obviously AAA. 
uh, right. whereas and it's Concrete Studio. Genie is we like haven't a, had a... We haven't had a, a true Ben Studio game for PlayStation back in a long time. Yeah, well, it, uh, an original IP from Ben hasn't happened since Siphon Filter. Yeah, so, and I do think that, like, I, I, don't get me wrong, you may, guys may think I hate Days Gone or whatever. I don't hate I, Days Gone. I yeah, just I think know that you don't. I, I come across a lot of people who think it's going to be one of the most successful exclusives. That's no. just not the case. No, I. but I expect it's it. It's not the case. I expect I, it to I'm actually buy outperform it, like, yeah. uh, the order. I'm going to buy it eventually. I'm not getting it at launch because mm-hmm. I'm just sick of ju- zombies. And the sure. problem is, is that it's going to come out, and then probably within nine months or ten months, I'll be playing Last of Us 2, which is then another problem because no matter what... Uh, how I feel about Days Gone after playing Last of Us 2, I'm sure my opinion will sour a little bit more on Days Gone. So you almost need to play Days Gone before The Last of Us 2 so that you don't feel like playing The Last of Us 2 and then going back to Days Gone will give you a lesser experience. I don't know if that's going to happen. They may be so different of games that it doesn't matter because one is a true open world, whereas one is swinging more wide linear and with a very different structure. But essentially what I mean is that if if Sony doesn't do anything outside of just Days Gone as a AAA exclusive this year, then what's going to happen with their year? Are they going to show that week of the year in the time where they're trying, the, the, the prime time for them to break the 100 million mark the only realistically the way they do that is not only with days gone but with the biggest titles they can get like death stranding death stranding and it's not even because of the game honestly it's kojima it's kojima it's entirely kojima and and i'll give you that now we were talking about games games that existed already before that have already come out now spider-man is very big if we wanted to put something against spider-man in terms of the way the gaming community sees it Death Stranding will be a, a thing for people who don't even own PS4s at all to go, I love I'm Kojima games. Or, not even that, but I'm curious about what this is. Yeah. So it's just, I think if you look at that, it starts to be a thing where two of those three games almost have to be coming out this year to give them three notable exclusives throughout the year. Because otherwise, how are they going to do it? How are they going to pull it off? Are, are they going to really? The, that's the issue right now, though, is which ones are we going to get? And when? And when? Now, I think the biggest thing, like and when we've are been they saying, announced? Yeah, which that may be at the PlayStation event. They start the PlayStation event by going, hey. Which one? We are here. Well, this is the hypothetical one that they use to announce the PS5, right? Well, okay. But the way they segue into this. I'm like, in November? Yeah. The way they use use to segue into this conversation or into this announcement is we're going to be, you know, we're here tonight to show you about the future of PlayStation. But before we talk about the future of PlayStation, we want to talk about the present of PlayStation and say that we are not giving up our support of PS4. I can't wait for that. And we want to say that by saying that you're going to get these games. Now, they may not do that. Of course, they have the far easier way of going, hey, Game Informer, we want a month-long thing. We'll give you the cover thing. And then we want you to, to give the release date there and everything else. And that's very, very possible. Yeah, but so we could we could learn about it. What's really crazy is we could technically learn about it before the end of March. We could learn when both of those games are coming before the end of March. Technically, yeah. So it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But I was just we haven't really talked about that as much. We keep talking about what we think is going to go down. But well, maybe maybe that's for a, a full topic because we've already talked about that for almost forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been that long. But it's been a long one. Almost. We're going to move through the rest of it, though. Well, that, that was that was so far has been about 40 minutes. That was your little micro topic for the thing. Uh, next up, Resident Evil 2. Like he talked about, the remake received a demo uh, this last week called the One-Shot Demo, giving players just 30 minutes to get as far as they can. Once that 30 minutes is hit, players are given a new trailer uh, for the game and a thank you for playing. But you are unable to play the demo again, hence the Actually, name One-Shot. Actually, you are. There's ways around it. Oh, sure. But I mean, unless you're doing some crazy stuff. It's not that crazy, actually. Probably not. I'll tell you off, I'll, I'll tell you off podcast. It's, uh, I, it's, mean, I could just pull up on Reddit real quick. I'm sure it's, it's probably not, pretty easy. But what I mean very is, easy, yeah. if you're doing You don't it, have to change regions or anything at yeah. this point. So it's 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 something I'm probably going to be doing. 
<laughs> I, I'm not going to play the demo. I'm going to wait and let everything. I debated it. Why? Huh? Because oh, oh. it's already a familiar game. Well, there's that. And I mean, I get that point, but and I have played. In what? I have not played Resident. It comes out before Kingdom Hearts, a week before Kingdom Hearts. I was gonna say two weeks technically. No, it's one week. Um, and one I, week. That's right. May I'm, even be a couple. For those of days. that don't know, I'm all thrown off on my dates because I'm on vacation, and I I keep thinking today is the twentieth, and I woke up today, I think it was like the fifth or sixth. So now it's like, what is today? It's is thirteenth? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm Your time like is really off. screwed off. Uh, but I will say, in, in regards to that. It's a game that I have played before, but I have not played since legitimately the PS1. I have not played Resident Evil 2 in over a decade. I don't remember it that I mean, well. It's, it's been so about I the want, same. And the remake is doing some changes, the camera angles and everything. So I want it to be as fresh as it possibly can. And me, you know, we talked about it on Twitter uh, with a couple people. Shout out to Sean and Dan. They were talking about it. And originally I thought I was going to download it, but with the games I still have to play and try and beat, on top of that, I don't feel like trying to lower myself down with even taking 30 minutes to play a demo of something that I already know I'm going to get. Um, though I don't know if I'm going to get, I'm going to get resident evil two day one. I don't know if I'm going to start playing it until after I'm done with kingdom hearts three, because I don't, there's a triangle, there's a triangle square on the keyblade. What? (laughs) Yeah. That's the PlayStation exclusive one. Hey, so I wonder if you flip it over, if it's got the XO. No, it's just triangle square. (laughs) <laughs> yeah square enix hit us up and they uh designed their custom keyblade next thing up though thq nordic continues to buy uh, continues on its ip buying spree and purchases the outcast ip so most recently that was utilized in a remake that came out i think about a year ago a little a uh, little less than uh of the original title and that remake was called outcast uh second contact and that was for these current gens like i said so if you have any interest in that go check that remake out but it means that there might be a future for that ip Next up, Saul, and I want to show you this because it's kind of interesting. PSVR is getting a new fantasy RPG that's built from the ground up for VR. Shadow Shadow Legend VR comes to PC, that being Oculus and and all those PC VR systems next month, with a PSVR release to follow shortly after. It looks like right now they're aiming for April. Uh, And I feel like this is going to be the first real competition in this space at least on PSVR specifically, For, that Skyrim has uh, seen. The, yeah, that a VR RPG that can compete on PlayStation. And when I say built from the ground up, they have ca- they account for so much more than trying to can recreate I move, Skyrim. Uh, can I move in the game around? It looks like it, but all the gameplay they've shown so far... In it, I'm done. Well, see, we don't know about the PSVR one. That's the sad part, right? Uh, is that right now, all they've shown is the gameplay from the uh, Oculus version, which does allow free movement, obviously. But they may look at some of the things like Borderlands 2 did for PSVR and make it try and be that. But look, this is what I'd say. If they're trying to compete against Skyrim, which did find a way to let you freely move in the game, and they don't allow free movement, they're going to be taking a step back. Uh, like a, uh, a step back far enough that if I had a VR, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, and, I can see and that. That's, and that's, I know a lot of people have that kind of I'm stance. curious as to what the game's going to cost, but when I say built from the ground up, there's things that they accounted for that when you go back and re rework a game like Skyrim to be VR, that you're not going to do because it just doesn't make sense. But they can do when they're doing from the ground up and it's sensible. So that means like if you want to get a drink and say you want to go drinking, like you can do in all these games, you actually go to the keg and you turn the, the knob and, and pour the keg out. Uh, these are small things like uh, being able to actually physically touch stuff. Like you can pick up a pipe so, and put so it in your you, mouth and so smoke it. So you are doing the actions that your character would do on its own once interacting with something. Exactly. Whereas Skyrim limits you to where you're essentially only interacting in the way of what you would essentially do in first person anyway of that game you're just doing it with your actual hands if you choose to use a motion controller so that means primarily combat Um, and it means that the rest of the way it doesn't feel the same whereas this is like well you're going to get an item you're going to physically pick that item up 
Like, you know, there's a pipe on the thing. You can pick that pipe up. And now you could say that that might be gimmick heavy. It may be trying to show that just to be gimmicky. But the gameplay actually looks pretty good. And the soundtrack is pretty cool. When's it coming out? Do we have a, like a, a window at all? February next month for PC. April is the aimed at PSVR. Wait, this game was built up for PSVR and it comes no, no, out later? Built for VR from the ground up. Oh, okay. But it's, okay. it's I mean, coming out on both. On the first part. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, that is stupid. <laughs> that right? is ridiculous. It would have been interesting to see uh, PlayStation try and secure this. Actually, the fact that they didn't to try and secure it as an early release might be a negative against it. I don't know. We'll see about that. Uh, next up, Ed Boon, the father of Mortal Kombat, as you know him, went to Twitter to share the official cover art for the upcoming Mortal Kombat 11. As you can imagine, the cover features fan favorite and Ed Boon's favorite, Scorpion, against a hazy yellow backdrop with a classic Mortal Kombat logo. Uh, so if you're excited for that, go check it out if you've not seen it yet. It does look good, but you know, the last three games have had, Mortal, uh, have had Scorpion on the cover. It's about time they show somebody else, in my opinion. Uh, let's see, next up. Kingdom Hearts, speaking of that, the Twitter announced Kingdom Hearts 3's free game update schedule in a multi-part tweet. So on launch day, there's a day one patch that adds several data fixes and the memory archive mode that will be added to the game's title menu, and you can go to it anytime. Uh, the following day, will unlock the epilogue video, which will require players to have completed the game to view. The 31st, so the next day, these are three days in a row, they will add a secret video and meet that you have to to watch it. You have to meet the same criteria for the epilogue, as well as certain criteria that will depend on the difficulty you selected when playing the game. So, if you want to see these things and you don't want to miss anything out, and you want it to be in game instead of watching online, think about that when choosing your difficulty. Maybe not swing too low in case it makes it harder to watch this secret video. Yeah, because there is no. Well, never mind. We'll see. Uh, the tweet. I was gonna say hey, I'm not gonna spoil something about trophies. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, uh, that's the, because that's the only one I saw, and I was like. I didn't. I didn't saw. Somebody told me. I actually like, don't know I, what you're talking about. So I'm. I'm just gonna. Well, no. Like somebody told me that, and I was just like, "What did you say?" And he was like, starting again. I'm like, shut up, <laughs> shut up. Like, what did you say? I, I purposely shut up. muted the Discord for Kingdom Hearts to avoid stuff like this. And like, you're over here telling me trophies. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. The uh, last thing that they went on to do is that the tweet clarified that the ending of the game is on the disc with no need for an internet connection, but the pieces mentioned here, the downloadable content pieces, are DLC and will require an internet connection to download. So that means that sadly, and I kind of get this, this was a, a point of contention in our Discord to an extent. Some people I think took it as a fact that the true ending of the game would not be on the disc, which we are being told it is, and I figured that much. What's going on is that the epilogue that they're doing, and, and I'm gonna give you their wording real quick. So. What they said was that it was it, it would be content that will enhance players' enjoyment of the world of Kingdom Hearts, end quote. So essentially, this is the biggest problem here. What they're talking about, and this is what really worries me, Saul, the tweet goes on to describe the memory archive as a, quote, digest of the Kingdom Hearts story in the series up to this point. So the quote. videos that explain the lore that they said was in the game are going to be added in a day one update and not on the disc. So anybody who does not have internet, it sounds like from what they're saying, unless unless there's still a certain video in terms of, maybe there's one more of a condensed video that happens at the beginning of the game. Yeah, even and then if it's this not, one that's is, not a big deal to me. It's, it's not a huge deal, but it does mean that for people, and I've seen a number of people who are saying they're gonna jump into this title after only playing one and two, 
that they are going to have if they don't have internet, which there's but there's multiple. Sure, like, sure. Like, no, no, no. This is ridiculous. There's oh yeah, you're talking multiple, about YouTube and stuff. No, there's multiple ways around finding the full story that is not this game. Sure, there is. So there sure. is no one to blame at this point. Oh yeah, but I'm saying it would have been nice for them to have that easily accessible on the disc. They now, have it easily accessible say, right now. They don't have to wait till yeah, the day it comes out through so YouTube. Th- this is it, this is what this is what makes me mad. People are like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." What but if I didn't official. have internet? I will say that it's not well, official. I mean, I, that means that the other options you, that you have are up you, to the person who made the video's interpretation to an extent. Right, but there are so many people that have gone back, myself included, have gone back and like refreshed memory of certain games that I didn't play sure. or like like recoded. Like, I'm not about to play through recoded. So like, I went through and watched the video on it. Perfectly understand recoded now. Sure. I've seen so many people say, "Well, what, what what if we didn't have internet?" What if implies you have it? So shut up and complaining about it. Well, even then, you say what if. It, the, the reason people use that terminology, just to go to their defense a little bit, is essentially because they have internet on their phone, right? Because obviously they're able to make these comments. Yes. But the problem with a lot of things is, is that just because you have internet on your phone, that does not mean that it's internet that you can actually use on your console or that it's good enough. Because like, you, know, you can say, well, the argument could be that you can make your phone your hotspot. Then, you then you're one of the like... Sure. Ten people in the world that are playing Kingdom Hearts three without playing the with only playing the first two that don't have internet that is buying this on day one. Yeah, it's a very odd thing, it's, but there are a, people doing. It's, it's now not that people being mad to be mad. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that I a little highly bit. Doubt, I highly doubt this is a big problem there. And I'll give you, yeah, I'll, I'll give you it in the sense of you're you're right. This is a little bit of outrage from people. And I guess I'm not. I'm you don't have to go watch a video. You can go read. You can like Wikipedia. Even, even if your even if your internet on your phone isn't good enough to pull up videos, you can literally just go read the summaries and be one hundred percent informed. Not, like it's it's the most irritating thing. Yeah, to me. not one hundred percent, but informed to an extent to where the game would make sense to you. Yes, I, I, I literally see. I saw a post on Twitter, and like nobody warned me that like I don't have a Facebook, and I assume because Facebook's somewhat toxic, but I, nobody warned me how toxic Twitter can be. Oh yeah, dude, Twitter is really toxic sometimes. So somebody posted a tweet saying like, "I will never buy a Square game or support Disney again." Because I do not know what I am going into with this game, and I expected there to be these stories that are going to tell me what's going on. They're not in this game, and I don't have internet. And it's like, okay, how special are you that you are complaining about this on Twitter when you right now have means to go look it up yourself and you're relying on them to put it into the game for you on a third game in a series of 10 plus games already and you're buying it on day one? Yeah. You're making the problem worse for yourself. Actually, so th- another thing that ended up being I'm a sorry source if I, of... I'm sorry if I offended you during this rant, but like this rustles my jimmies. There's so many ways to go and find the story right now if you needed it. Yeah, this, I agree. This is yeah, this is not their fault for put for leaving stuff out for leakers. People already have the game, and People, that's and they're worried about it. People aren't. You know why they didn't put this in the game beforehand? You know, like oh no, they they added it out because they're like, well, if we keep all these separately, it's easier to add these all in. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about people leaking the videos that everybody already sees on YouTube. True. So yeah. like they could have technically left it in the game. Now people being now that's, that's one thing. People being mad about the epilogue, which is going to be completely supplementary to the story and going to be something that's more about that leading into the next. I would be angry if it was leaked. Sure. Like oh yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what that I mean. Is just, that, that the is, reason that those were included as downloadable is because no matter what happens, game copies get out early. Copies for this game got out so early because of the guy who stole them from Dallas or whatever it was. Thank you. Um, oh, anyway. that happened to Dallas. I, if I if I remember right, I may be saying it wrong, but I'm fairly positive that was it. But my point being is that when these things happen, uh, any game before it hits, and definitely a game of this stature that's been building to this for so long, when it happens, people who get the game early are going to be at risk for spoiling things unfairly to people who are just trying to wait and play the game when right. it's supposed to come out. So I, I'm actually with you. But what I was going to say real quick, and then we'll move along, um, is that in this case, I am to- it, 
you know, there was a point of contention about subtitles in games uh, in the Discord. And I actually understand that argument more than I understand specifically this one, because you are right. Even if you want to say that, I often come from the point of empathy towards people who do not have internet access for I, their homes. I do as well, because it's a, it's a rough situation to be in. Exactly. It, with, with that almost seen as a utility nowadays. Exactly. But, like we said pretty much universally and i mean this to a point where there are government assisted cell phones almost everybody has cell phone with internet so there is no reason that you cannot do something like you said be it reading if you don't have fast enough speeds the or whatever the there's a number is, of ways to that, get this the, info yeah the, the issue is that is that this isn't even only Whereas, available through the internet yeah you could like i'm sure if you went into gamestop i'm sure you'd find somebody there on your visit that could help run down you the story I mean, not every time you go in. Maybe. It, well, yeah, now think about it. You probably, don't, you probably don't want to trust games on please. Uh, with some things. Tell you some wild stuff. We say that out of its history of our GameStops, not to insult GameStop and police. Oh, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't, uh, if you wouldn't to GameStop. Well, Kingdom Hearts, with... Kingdom Hearts 3 was supposed to come out four years ago. Did y'all know that? <laughs> did y'all know we had a release date for that four years ago? It was a set in release date. No, you didn't know that because it didn't exist, but we were told it was. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, like to me, it's like. I feel like it's a problem that is is created upon itself because this is the third game, the last game in the mainline plot. It is the 10th game, I think, or ninth game. Something like that, yeah. In the full-on series plot that is the conclusion. If I see your comment on Twitter, you have a means to internet right then and there. Yeah. To at least start or download a PDF file of explaining everything. Those are available. I've seen those online. The full story that you can read through that somebody's made into a PDF. People are expecting these companies to do this for them, and I get it when it is a necessity. I get it when it would be the ending of the game, the beginning of the game. I get it for that thing. It would be, yeah, I, I'm completely with you. It'd be a whole different thing if if the legitimate ending of the game that was not included on the disc. Ridiculous, because there's going to be people who beat this on day one. Yeah. Without a doubt, there's people going to power through it within, within day one, 24 hours of it coming out, I'm sure. If not, it'd be very close after. Yeah. Um. I'll say but, 24 to 36 hours. Yeah, somewhere around that time frame. Uh, but I will say that, like, I'm not telling, like, I'm not saying people that don't have internet are just, like, at a loss. I'm just saying that. But they have some form. Yeah. Right? That, Whereas that, when we were talking about subtitles, it's like, well, subtitles in terms of why they should be in games, and I'm not saying forcefully, but it's because there are people who are deaf who can't do anything about it. There's a difference when it's people, even, if, I mean, realistically, if you're deaf, you can't just magically go hear something. So there's a reason there. But if you don't have internet, you can go to your local library and spend, a you know, an afternoon looking at the Kingdom Hearts lore if you want the game that bad. it's It means that one group has a means to do to solve the problem and then, at hand and, and one, one group, doesn't well and, and then there's the third group that's mad that they have the means but they're going to be mad because other people don't yeah and that is and outrageous that's it, use a great word for it outrageous because that's exactly where i was actually going with this is that all it is a little unfortunate that it's not in the game for people that don't have internet but, but once again the bigger reason that it's unfortunate is it's, it's unfortunate that square did this because it, they're going to get the group of outraged people who are going to be mad at them over something stupid and they don't. That's care. actually they, what it comes down they to. They do not care because they are a they are a global company. Yeah, they are a massive company whose cultures do not line up with ours. Absolutely, they do not care. Yeah, um, I, and, I would and, imagine and, most and, Japanese people probably in this. Who knows? But I would imagine most you're Japanese people. You're treading on racist waters. <laughs> no, you're gonna say all Japanese people know Kingdom Hearts. No, I was gonna say oh, that they would probably be kind I, enough from their I culture the that they wouldn't. Yeah, saw. <laughs> anyway, uh, what I was saying is that their culture would probably be as such that even if they got the game early for some reason, they wouldn't even leak it. 
for the most part, because they have a more respectful culture than we do. But who knows? Well, you know, there are people that like literally buy games early to leak them on purpose. Yeah, I know. There was a guy on Reddit that did that specifically for Red Dead, and he did an AMA for it. People asked him why he did it, and he was like, <laughs> "He's like, I don't do it to hurt people. He's like, I use it as a weapon in my arsenal to where if you are annoying me or if you are getting all, like, on my nerves about something, I'm like, well, here's the ending to Red Dead too. And he's like, I've, he's like, I've done it under multiple accounts on the subreddit before that have been banned. But you Which un- is surprisingly enough, that account did not get banned yeah. until I guess after the AMA because now I can't find it. Yeah. And it's infuriating. So I'm guessing that he ended up getting well, banned. Even then though, the downside of that is that you inadvertently hurt other people. You inadvertently no, ruined the no, experience I, of other people. I should, have, I should have clarified he PM'd those people. Oh, okay. Which That's is like fair, the fair worst enough. way to get a spoiler because I've had games like that spoiled okay. for me too. Because you don't expect a spoiler to pop up in a message. But if those people were being that annoying, what they may do as a thing is be mad and then be like, well, you know what? I'm going to spoil it for everyone else. Which, you know, that's what I mean is that this people getting games early is a problem that you can't get around, but it's that unfortunate. Is, yeah, and it's, I mean, to be fair, there could have been worse left off of a game. I'm not saying that it's it's the best policy in the world to do this, but yeah, I'm not. saying that there's no need to get outrageously upset that this is happening. This is literally a prologue to the game that is going to, or prologue, yeah. It, it is going to, expo- not even prologue, really, but it's, it's a bonus part of the game that didn't have to be included in the first place yeah they really did and that the only reason people are saying that they're going to hop onto this game now is because that is included into this game so like the same people who are saying like i'm hopping onto this game and not playing all the others is they're doing it because this is included i'm with you but i will say this i'll play devil's advocate real quick and and do specifically this do you remember when the kingdom hearts fan base just went jack crazy because uh, oh Lord, what is his name? Angry Joe said he was going to review Kingdom Hearts 3 and people were saying he shouldn't because he said out clear that he has never played any of the other games in the franchise and, or, or at least he hadn't played enough to where he'd understand what was going on and people were worried, essentially the Kingdom Hearts fan base saying, well, you, you shouldn't do it because you're going to give the game a lesser score because you don't understand what's going what on. What does that score matter? True, but this is what I will say. There, there is a group of people. Me and you are all, always of the mindset that the score ultimately doesn't matter. It's well, about no, what it's you not like. even that. It's that if I go into a reviewer and like let's say I'm I'm watching a Divinity Two review and the guy's like I don't play RPGs that much. I play Madden though. And then like, his I'm score this game. means it's like, this game sucked. There's no footballs in it. Yeah, it's like well, obviously I'm not going to pay attention to what he's yes. at now. Any fundamental flaws that are in the game. But what I'll say is I'll use that as a kind of segue into. What it does do is that that was ridiculous, right? There's no, there's no reason. He never said that he wasn't going to do a checkup on the story to make sure that he understood it as much as possible going in. You know, I think what actually happened, if I remember, is he said he would try and do that. And people were like, try, you have to do it. Whatever. It's really not a complicated story to understand. There's only like four character arcs that you really have to understand. And then there's a little bit of side stuff. I Ooh, excuse me. I actually explained it to Joe last night. Yeah, it's not that hard. I think, like I say, if you can give somebody 10 minutes, you can have a pretty rough idea of and what's going on. technically, four games is all you really need to know. Yeah. As of right now. Well, Recoded nope. coming up out of the blue is crazy. Yeah, nope. That's, still, that's still a very easy thing to understand about that but game. But I think because the data is a castle, been... it's a computer. Characters in that game, they're a computer. One character's <laughs> back. Why is he back? Okay, but real quick, uh, what are they, like, the devil's advocate play is that Essentially, it's one more weapon in the arsenal of reviewers to go negatively against it, which not saying for for outer people, but for the way that companies try and look at the reception of games, they look at not only the monetarily sells, but how well it critically, you know, critically handled. So in the case that 
it's one more thing that people can try and use to knock a few points off. It's getting it that much further away from the game being reviewed as well and received as well so, critically as the company may have otherwise hoped. To understand this, I guess I have to understand how a company would look at these reviews. Do they sit in a, in a board of members and they go through the websites together? Do they send off somebody who is to Metacritic. look at these? They use Metacritic as Right, but I'm saying do they go do this together or do they hire somebody to go through and look at Metacritic scores? And then do they, do they hire somebody that knows whether or not these reviewers are credible enough? Because if a game well, gets Medicare, like Medicare review bombed, then they see the user scores one and, the, and then the critic scores 10. Well, like, well, something's there. That's why you have a weighted system on Metacritic and where they do this thing. Well, I'm going to say weighted, but essentially you can't be a critic on Metacritic as a, you know, as a non-user level critic, but you can't right. be an actual critic. You actually have to have, I think, some kind of form of credentials exactly. and or writing experience to be able to be a critic. And they essentially look at your site and see how fair you've been from what I understand. But... So essentially, they shouldn't have to hire somebody to see if the reviews are reasonable, right? Essentially, what they do is they go, well, look, Metacritic goes, goes ahead and does that. All they probably do is just have the executives sit there and look and go, okay, well, here's our Metacritic score. Uh, and then maybe look at a few of the common reasons as to why people say that they didn't like it and then go, crap. Uh, but even then, I could see it being as simple as just saying, well, hey, the Metacritic score didn't hit our expectation. Doesn't matter the reasons why, it just didn't. You know, and I think regardless, so the unfortunate side of that and the way that the game industry works is that it could be, it could end up hurting the team. Uh, and who, who knows? The thing is that it seems weird that on that one. Cause like you said, it's not something they'd be worried about leaking. So why did they not do it? Was it because of time? And why did they do? Cause it went gold forever ago. They could have waited another month and let it go. I'm, you know? I'm curious if the, if the way the, the way that this in my head, but it's a worldwide. Works. That's fair enough. Real quick, too. It's a worldwide release, so maybe it did need to go gold earlier. But go ahead. But maybe it's something in my in my head that's a package. Like there, there is three packages we're getting, obviously, for the three days it comes out. Yep. So. I'm wondering if that it was just easier to supplement it as a package and not into the game. Maybe they thought about this after the game had had, maybe maybe it's harder to implement into the game, into the menu during development than it is to add on into a patch or something, which I don't know how that I, I works. Doubt, but I, I know that they didn't think about it after because they've been teasing this video for a while. Um, I'm talking about after. Uh, and this is also speaking from the point that general there, conception of the game, there though. might still be something in the game that acts as a quick five minute uh you know, precursor and everything. And then instead this memory archive is more of a deep dive. So if you really yeah, want to go we, into each we, story, we fully don't know that well. Exactly. You out. may be able to click in the memory archive and it's a kingdom hearts one and you can click on it and it'll give you a, a maybe eight to 10 minutes synopsis of kingdom hearts one. And then you could do that per kingdom hearts game. We I don't, just, we don't know. I have a, a kind of an unpopular opinion, but I think that not having internet is not an excuse to be mad at a company for including things in this day and age that require internet. Yeah. Cause then, then it's reasonable for people to be mad that, and I mean, people were with fallout seven, but then it's okay and reasonable in people's minds to be mad at a company for making a game online only. Well, if it's online only, it's, not, it's, it's obviously not, not targeted at yeah, you. Yeah, it's not your game. If this game is the third game in then the you series can be mad. that seals off a plot that is very highly convoluted. If you do not know exactly. it, then this game already was not meant for you to pick up and play and enjoy. Then you can this be mad. This was supplemental for you. This is not something that should have been included or that, I mean that something is that is included and that if, since you're having to have an internet that's just one other thing to be mad at but in reality it's like they didn't have to include this 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 very game could have very well released strongly without that as a complete proponent they're only doing that because they're with hopes that maybe you will be able to hop into this game not have not even having played the series at all and this will make you a fan of the series yeah and it helps of course sell things too you know when a game comes out and it's the third one in the franchise somebody's never played it before doesn't think one, twice about getting it because they're like I've never played this series I heard it's as complicated as Metal Gear Solid yeah so then they jump in and it's like well 
you know, one of their friends points out, well, there's a video that you can watch that comes out with the game that tells you everything you need to know. Oh, okay, then I might get it then. Or you can literally go to YouTube right then look and there up. and look it up. Like, and, and people are going to say, well, what if I don't have internet? I'm sorry. Like, that's not a problem that I can solve, obviously. That's not something that a company around you can solve. You can't be mad about that. You can't be mad when somebody says, like, look it up. Especially when you read these comments on the internet. Tells me that you have internet somewhere. Sure. And it may be limited. Sure. There's other forms of media than videos that can teach you things. Exactly. You can read and you can say, That's well, all I'm saying about because I know I'm sure I'm going to get hate from some, somebody. Well, it's going to happen. Cause, but look, what you always got to say is like, what, where are we going to leave this cap? Because if you go, well, uh, I have to use videos because I can't read. Well, I mean, I'm sorry well, if you well, can't read. Well, I am sorry. Exactly. Like, That's what I mean. But it, And it goes down to this level. And I'm not saying that people who can't read should be able to enjoy these things. But sometimes they're just, there always is going to be a barrier of entry. And if you start knocking at every one of these small ones and it's going to eventually get to the point where the whole idea we've talked about a number of times if you open the door a little bit be prepared for somebody to kick the damn yeah, thing kick it open in and everybody's gonna come on in because what happens is eventually you're going to make it justifiable for people to say that exclusives shouldn't exist which already is a group of people that do this because they say well if i own an xbox i shouldn't be excluded from playing the playstation games that makes no sense the whole okay then that means that if a game comes out in general on console well i don't own a single console why should i not be able to play it and now that's obviously going to the crazy extremes of things, but you start to move towards that. The more ground that we let people seed, even if it be on the internet, small outrage culture, the more ground that we let people seed for small things that really shouldn't matter as much as we make them matter. And that seems to be because apparently nobody else seems to think that there's anything else worth fighting for. We don't have to, you know, as Joe Rogan always says, we don't have to go out and fend for ourselves. So we just look for things to be mad at all day long. We'll see, and what I don't. But I, it's it's that's all I'm getting out, and then you can say whatever. But yeah, it's just you know how many people you're going to open the door for ridiculous it, complaints. It's hard. This is a hard comparison to make, anyways, due to the, the nature of internet. But like the amount of people I've heard complain about internet being a, a required in certain services outweigh the amount of people that have internet that still complain about it too for yeah, those other people, sure. and that's the big problem. Corey, the perfect example, didn't have reliable internet for a good while. And I never really even heard him complain. Internet. Yeah, it was more so of thing like little nuances he couldn't could not do. Yeah, but, but it wasn't people, like a complaint, more like oh, I just, I just can't do but it. But I've heard people with full on internet connections complain for these people. Mm-hmm. It's like you, if they don't have internet, and you're not, and I'm not seeing these comments myself, I don't believe that you are talking for somebody else's behalf. It's just it's like I don't believe you know being somebody outraged is, for other people. Yeah, which I mean, yeah, it, it's it's one of my biggest things in the world of like. I get that you like that, that there are certain things in the world that, that you think should work. And I, I get it. But like in this day and age with internet being a thing, you cannot be mad at a game developer for requiring you to use internet in one or one or two proponents of the game. That is optional, not required. It is optional. That is a big problem. Yeah. This if, is was, a if this was required, experiment. I would be a completely different, completely different conversation. Because if, if it was required to have internet to have the ending, absolutely atrocious. That would be a bad move on Square's part. That would be a bad look on Kingdom Hearts as a whole. Mm-hmm. But this is an optional thing that has been available since the day after Dream Drop, Dream Drop Distance came out. And if you think about it, because there have been lore compiled after the last game that has come out that you needed to know about this entire series. Yep. Not only that, there's been collections available on PS3 and PS4 since for you to catch up yeah so the, the age old excuse years. that people use of well i didn't ever play the other ones because they were on psp and game boy and ds and 3ds and it's like well there have been collections now we are don't require it yeah now we're here so 
it, it's the people who thought, I guess, like, oh, I don't, I didn't never, I never knew about this. I'm gonna hop into it because they have a video. Oh, well, I don't have internet. I don't think those people, like, I don't think there's a lot of those people actually. Well, I, don't, are you, I, don't, are, I don't think there's a lot of people that never played the game before that was looking forward to this video to hear they needed internet and say, I don't have internet. Yeah. I think that's a low number too, but you never know. All right, moving on to the next thing though. The, uh, let's see, Sony's strong year of exclusives throughout 2018, as we talked about, has landed them a strong presence as a publisher in this year's annual Dice Awards taking place on February 13th. God of War leads the pack against all other games with 12 nominations, followed closely by Spider-Man at 11 nominations. And Red Dead takes third with a eight a count of eight nominations. Uh, that said, the final awards qu- could swing any direction. Uh, so time will tell how these nominations play out. But hey, congrats to God of War and the team over at Santa Monica. I mean, that's great. Same for Insomniac. Uh, even though I don't think Spider-Man des- necessarily deserves the same amount of acclaim as I see it getting, I do think it's a great game. Uh, and good for them. Uh, really just good for Sony as a whole for having this great stable of games. And of course, Red Dead coming out so late and getting eight nominations, that's still great on them. And actually, it kind of goes against the idea that a lot of people have had that award things tend to swing more toward games that have most recently come out um, because they're more fresh on your memory. And the so it's actually interesting that God of War is doing so well, being the oldest game pretty much in the listing. So right. good for them. Uh, next up, AC Odyssey, as we talked about earlier I'm playing, has received a slew of new features via its most recent update. The update adds a level scaling option to let players play the game without level in mind. So you can do it a number of ways. You can do light level scaling where things can fall up to four levels under your level. You can do medium where they can fall up to two levels under your level. Or you can make it where it's hard uh, or whatever their wording is. But essentially, everything in the game stays at your level at all times. Or you can go to default where the game has its already predetermined levels and leveled areas so that you can determine when you're ready to go into places. Uh, so that's one thing that they've added in case you want to get back to it. Uh, the update also addresses an issue where players were missing their Odyssey arc, which is the primary game arc in the quest log uh, after you were doing a certain part of the game and adds new content to the game and more. So it might be time to pick it back up or head back to it in case you've put it down or haven't grabbed it yet. Uh, it's a good way to be able to move through it a little quicker if you don't care about the uh, wanting to do side quests to make sure your level stays up uh, to meet the level requirements of the story mission. So something cool that they did. This one was wild. Uh, we talked about it a number of times that we thought PUBG would be coming, landing dead and falling on deaf ears on PlayStation 4. Apparently, we were incredibly wrong. And I've, I've seen other people mirror our you know expectations, and we were just all wrong because going completely against expectations, PUBG topped December's most downloaded games from the PlayStation Store, even ahead of Black Ops 4. Yeah, that's stupid. Like, and I mean that like that's stupid numbers. Like they, they yes. Did. You know what? I've been hard on the game for a number of reasons. I've never just said it's a bad game by any standard, but you know what? Congrats to them. Yeah, Realistically. I mean, I'm really curious to see how it lo- like how it plays on PS4 because if it plays or PS4 Pro, I should say, because I mean if it plays well, I can get one or two people play it with me. I'll play it. You game. might go back. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know the thing that we thought was that the price point was going to be the killing point it's because thirty dollars when that's that's still in my opinion the killing point. Sure. Yeah. And, and, but that's, that's, that's how much it is on that, Steam. That's what we thought was going to be the biggest Achilles heel for because you have Fortnite, which is a comparable game free. type for free, yeah. and then you have Black Ops, which is sixty dollars but has other game types on top of being a very, very well developed. And I've, game. I've already bought. 
I've already bought it on PS or on Steam. Yeah. So it's like I don't really want to spend sixty dollars over on this game. Exactly. But that was very interesting. So if you had those thoughts as well, hey, or if you thought we were wrong the whole time, then congratulations, you knew. Uh, next up, this one's also pretty interesting. I hadn't heard about it until I was doing this little uh, news sweep. Long in development open world fantasy game East Shade has a PC release date in February with a console version, quote, soon to follow, end quote. The game sees players taking on the role, this is where it gets weird, of a traveling painter. So it's an open world game that looks gorgeous. Yeah, I, I saw this on um, And instead of killing Twitter. anything, you paint. Yeah, it looks really cool. So where this ties into what you can do, it's not just a world where you move around and paint even though it kind of sounds like that, but you can use your paintings to sell or trade to locals of towns to unlock secrets or gain items needed to solve obstacles and quests in the game. So essentially the painting acts as the pass through for everything. So there's going to be puzzles in the game. There's going to be dialogue you get to move through in the game. And sometimes you'll need to give certain paintings or get different items that you get from trading these paintings to be able to use to solve these puzzles. It's a very interesting take on the idea of an open world fantasy game or i'm not gonna say fantasy even though i guess it kind of looks like it. it may just be a period piece uh but go check out the graphics i mean it really looks very pretty and it looks it looks like it runs well and this is probably pc footage but if you like the idea of challenging normal game genres and doing something a little different and fresh filling then this is probably the way to do it i mean so go check it out see if it interests you at all uh let's see next up during a live stream talking about the fantastic four making its way into marvel's mobile games they tease something fantastic coming to spider-man so i would say they didn't go into what it was going to be a lot of people are saying different things but i think if you're realistically going to keep your expectations in check expect a suit at probably most uh but outside of that maybe something small added into the game that acts as an easter egg on top of a suit do not expect even though we may get it do not expect any kind of big story arc or another expansion that's just very unlikely for something as culturally not as big as any other marvel franchise that they could really try and and pull into this you know what i mean all the movies they've made have been pretty and it's been fox's fault sure they they haven't had disney work on any of these movies to my knowledge at all they've not but yeah they maybe disney should make i think they make a good fantastic four movie Possibly. I'm not gonna lie though, I like the first like two. They're not. They're not the awful. first one in the Rise of Silver Surfer. I was like a, like 13 or 14 when they came out. Well, Jessica Alba, you're, you're young and your hormones are flowing. You're like, man, Jessica Alba's pretty. So it's it's enough to watch. But I haven't watched the uh, newest one they did. I was all about the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely have not watched the newest one, which is a shame because it's a shame that it exists because Miles Teller is a really good actor and like I've heard such bad things about his performance in that movie and everybody's performance overall. Yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, wasn't one of the guys from, and I haven't seen Black Panther, but wasn't one of the Black Panther actors in that movie? The bad guy, Killmonger, was uh, Michael B. Jordan, who was uh, yeah. Johnny... Was he Flame? Yeah, Johnny Storm. Yeah, Johnny Storm. So, And then Miles Teller was the main guy from Whiplash, which is an amazing movie. Okay. Um, something Bell, Jamie Bell, was uh, Doctor... Uh, not Doctor Doom. But he was who was he? Was he the he was the thing? I'm Missed, pretty sure. Oh, was but, he? Well, yeah. regardless, I he was in seen Jumper. It. Nobody's ever seen Jumper before. That was a good movie. Jumper was awesome. Yeah, 
Mm. You never hear my talk about that movie. That I love movie that movie. Good. Samuel L. Yeah. Jackson and Hayden Christensen, and they were teleporting. Heck yeah. Well, see, everybody was down on Hayden Christensen because of Star Wars. Yeah, what like <laughs> what what a thing that's progressed now because everybody loves the prequel trilogies now. It's like it's come full circle, which is good because I'm not it's saying the whole thing good. needs to be you loved. Should never bully an actor like that, but it shouldn't have been as bad handled as it was in terms of the way people received him. That was just that was early outrage culture. I never I never understood the the like. Like fully understood the amount of anger that was behind the prequel movies, but like I think it's that I can, I Star can, Wars had been around for a long time with nothing. This is not a movie podcast. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, next couple things, and we'll figure we'll finish up the news. As Devil May Cry Five is receiving a new demo for consoles on February seventh, uh, a month before the game's early March release, which I think is March eighth. Uh, Rockstar, this is the last thing, has announced that Red Dead Online will remain in beta for a few more months as they work to update the game and bring it up to their standards and fans' expectations. With this announcement, they shared an out line of updates and what they're kind of wanting to do uh, with the updates more or less than anything uh, but one of them is the long teased battle royale mode that they talked about well before the game came out which is going to pit 32 players against each other in a free for all or various team formations so this sounds like if you played the one from Grand Theft Auto online you've probably played what this one's going to be did you hear uh, did you, or did you read uh, Jeff Keighley's tweet about it no it should be called Cattle Royale <laughs> Cattle Royale I love it that's good you gotta love them dad jokes. Uh, anyway, that is the end of the news itself before we move into the main topic. And forget, there's no reader mail. So be yep. sure to check out our Twitter and our Facebook group for those reader mail questions. It is now pinned to our Twitter for our uh, reader mail tweet. So as long as that's pinned up there, ask us a question. And I still retweet it on, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, don't forget that if you are a YouTube watcher, uh, ask a question in the YouTube comments. If the uh, channel likes your question, that means it's going to get answered. So feel free to ask us any kind of question, personal, um, gaming related, which, life related. We have advice. one from World Den that we need to... Uh, I know. Okay. I didn't know if you'd added it. No, yeah, uh, I didn't. Also, well, I, I if you support it, us, I haven't added any of them yet, yeah. but I know what If it is. you support us on Patreon and you, we post there as well, if you ask us any questions on there, we will shout out that you're a patron and back us, uh, as well as some other stuff that we are working on the Patreon backside regarding to reader mail, but we will get into that as we have more of an idea of what's going on. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, yeah, I was, I was seeing if you'd catch the fact that we've been going for so long. We have I not know. gotten to the main topic yet. I know. Donovan is going to love this podcast. Well, and so will all the other people be. that like long ones. So yeah. uh, here we go. Josh, Blake, all you, it's for you guys. That's what we did this for. Not really. It just happened. That's what we, we let it be natural as possible. Uh, so essentially, and I think this is probably the most obvious thing. Cause it's I one of the biggest thing that happened while Saul stretches uh, this week, Activision and Bungie both came out. And announced that the long, you know, what is this now? From 2010, so this eight-year partnership with Activision as the publisher of Destiny uh, is no longer going on. Uh, in the split, Bungie will be retaining the rights to publishing Destiny. So they will be taking on not only developing it, but publishing it themselves. So a couple of things kind of tie into this. And I think that... Me and Saul agree, I know for a fact, on a couple of, of points, but I'm really curious as to where we see on other things. But I think we agree on everything. Before we get into those completely, kind of actually why this is even going down, there's been some problems at Activision from a, from a number of people's opinions, and you look at the way that Activision's companies run are going. Obviously, Activision had a great year with Black Ops 4. It a, was, you know... Absolutely great year. Yeah, so you know, we saw them come up and... Call of Duty, which was on a downslope for a little while and then started kind of coming back up with World War II doing very well and then Black Ops 4 doing even better. Uh, they've had a good year with their own franchises. Uh, while Destiny has continuing on their side been considered a not meeting expectations, essentially is the best way to word it. Despite the fact that Forsaken 
topped September ahead of Spider-Man uh, monetarily. And now that's something that's really something to say right there. I mean, you know, that that's amazing. And I, the fact that that kind of number for Forsaken's uptake is considered a, a game that came back. Yeah, it's like it's a true comeback story because a lot of people, including myself, stopped after the last expansion, which is typically where Bungie does well in. And that's where they'll you'll come out with an expansion and you'll be like, well, this is pretty good. And you end up playing it up until just about the next expansion. Yeah, and you pretty much just that's kind of done. the loop of that game. Yeah, you're kind of done, which yeah. is what Black Armor is doing so well is that. They're, it's really grindy to unlock the armories but mm-hmm. like or the forges, but once you unlock them, they're fairly fun to do and they're great to implement into your weekly stuff so and, like, wh- and what else and is actually uh, even though this isn't necessarily about the topic but as a as a real salute to Bungie and the way that they're thinking about these things and i imagine this has probably happened in the idea before it seems like this has been something a little bit long in the works right. um so but what i want to say is that the black forge um or black armory and the forges one thing i like about what they're doing with the game is that they're not doing what they were doing before, where if you own the game, but you don't own the newest update, then you essentially can't play the game. Yeah. This one is not true. I don't own the Black Armory yet, so it doesn't even matter that I haven't done it because I haven't oh, yeah. bought it. I forgot you got to buy it. Yeah, and no, I'm going to. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, it hasn't kept me from playing y'all with y'all in any fashion. Yeah, we whereas, played last night. Whereas what did we see happen on the very first expansion? They made it to where you couldn't get the platinum uh, without ha- you couldn't. That run- wasn't part of the expansion. Or well, the, no, it, that it, was part of an update. Exactly, but the update launched alongside the expansion. No, no, so no. So these no. were all in a weird thing. I'm pretty sure that was a sandbox update. Like they just changed things around and updated nerfs and buffs and stuff. Well, to- it came the exact same day as Curse of Osiris. That's, that's all I'm getting at. There's no way because people were talking about after Curse of Osiris. That was when I didn't play up to the Curse of Osiris though. That's the problem. Yeah, but we but getting the platinum was originally not locked behind DLC. That's what I'm when that. it I happened. I thought that update came out while I was still playing, and I didn't play all the way up until Curse. Oh of the no, Cyrus. that that update didn't come out until after we had quit. Oh, uh, but regardless, they they're doing better things because before we saw parts of the game kind of locked out uh, unless you had the DLC, so you couldn't get the platinum for the game because they removed it to where you had the ability to do nightfalls and stuff like that, and to do the raid that was required, you had to have. The, the DLC is very ridiculous thing. I think they've gone back and actually removed that, uh, that block, but you know, I'm sure you still need the DLC to do the raid. Though. They have done a good job. They have done a great job of bringing players back, showing that they're at least devoted to try and keep players around in a number of ways. They did it with the dawning. They did a good job with the dawning. They've done well with their map of what they're planning to do with this by letting people continue to play the game without any weird, arbitrary locks. So it seems like destiny and Bungie our, you know, Bungie for Destiny has been working towards something that w- is essentially building up to this for a while. They want to put the game on their own terms, and there's some good that comes to that. Uh, some of how they were able to probably make this happen is that they have a Japan or not a Japanese, a Chinese company, I think is what it is. Net Zero. It's not Net Zero, is it? Net Zero is an online provider, uh, but it's something very close to Net. You're like, thinking of Net Gear. No, Net Zero was an old, literally an old AOL-like thing. I'm pretty sure. I thought it was Net Zero. But yeah, and that is and that is something to be kind of worried about. You mm-hmm. are right. Net Zero is broadband. Uh, or broadband. But some, some people are kind of worried about that Bungie is now paired with this company, who is the, the people, the same company behind Diablo Immortal. It is. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it is a very, and I don't mean this derogatory, but this is just what this is what it's classified as. Is like they are a Chinese phone app game creator. They make apps and phones for uh, games, 
or I mean, they make apps and games for phones that are targeted for microtransactions. People inherently thought this was the worst news that you could see. That's just not the case. Bungie has already clarified that they are not working on anything Destiny related. What the game that Bungie and them are working on NetEase is NetEase. Okay. They are not working on Bungie at all. I mean, Destiny at all. And they are not working for anything for, uh, they're not part of that production team. They're not part of the console PC production team. This is for a phone app game. This mm-hmm. is, I keep calling it an app game. It's a phone game. Yeah. It's for a mobile game. I mean, it is an app. So, so you're fair enough I don't on think that. there's anything to worry about. Now, if I heard NetEase would, was on, was starting to supplement stuff in Eververse, I might start to worry. Okay. So here's where I was, was going with that. And then I'll see if that kind of goes into it. But essentially the reason that part of this was able to happen, it looks like is because Bungie is getting invested by NetEase, not necessarily to only do NetEase stuff. It's more yeah, because it's, of the it's, it's partnership like a contractual thing that they're wanting to do. So they received over a hundred million in investment from NetEase. So that seems very likely as to what that was able to get them to not only contract out, and I'm sure that as far as Activision was concerned, getting out from something that they didn't own anyway, uh, they just had contracting rights to, right. having to pay a fee to break that contract early. That's yeah, probably a big fee too. Well, from a lot of analysts said that they can't imagine because the game was considered a underperformer, that Activision would have necessarily wanted a massive, it was probably a sizable enough fee right. that they were able to somewhat handle due to these investments. So when you think about it this way, Bungie is not only stretched a little further, they're not only making Destiny, they are doing stuff with ease that is completely different from Destiny. Separate, yes. But because of the investment that was put into them, they were able to take some control over Destiny and finally do what they actually originally wanted to do all along, which was become the masters of their own destiny to an extent, uh, which is Literally. something you want to see a lot of, a lot of developers want to do that. You saw that happen uh, when we saw Insomniac try and pull away from Sony really hard and say, you know what, we may be independent, but all of our games are Sony handled. Uh, instead, they were like, well, we're going to back off and we're going to find other develop- or other publishers to do things like uh, that Fuse game or whatever it ended up being called. Uh, and uh, the, the Xbox exclusive that I can't think of right now for some reason, Sunset Xbox. Overdrive. Yeah, I was um, like, I, I, I pictured my head because of the denim jackets. And I was just like, yeah. Yeah, uh, but when you look at it like that, so it makes sense they want to do this, but this puts not only the game in their hand, this puts the uh, the publishing in their hand. Now, what makes that really interesting is how much of an effect is that going to have on the Activision money that was going into the game versus how much more freedom they're going to have to do what they want to do, which we've only seen do great things for Warframe. And I don't necessarily want to spend a long time talking about Warframe in this, but Warframe is not, they do not have a publisher behind them telling them what they can and can't do in their games. Right. So they're able to do really crazy updates and provide things in a very weird way that a publisher would never agree to. Yeah. But, but literally Warframe's uh, developer, digital extremes is the, yeah. the only reason that they're even open still is because of Warframe and the fact that it's all handled by them. So which this is a little different though. Like I don't like bringing a Warframe in terms of this kind of conversation with destiny, just because of how different the business models for each game are. Exactly. And I, and that's so fair that's, enough. But all I was going to get into is that if, if Bungie can keep the way that they already do their business model to some extent, some extent without the fear of Activision trying to contractually do something to them if they don't meet windows, because originally the contract for destiny as that we found between uh, Bungie and Activision was that a new destiny game would come out every two years that got moved with destiny two into a three year window. Uh, and it still looks like they're probably followed that three year window with a destiny three releasing in 2020 before we get into the rest of this well, conversation. But they can keep I'm that. I'm going to put a pin in that. Just remind me of the release dates. Okay, release sure. Schedules. But, um, 
So essentially what they can do there, uh, or what, with what they're getting back is that they have the freedom to not have to worry about whether the update that they're wanting to do or the expansion that they're wanting to do is going to fit into Activision's grander schemes and ideas about what this game is supposed to be doing. Which I think a lot of people should know that Activision had a big, big hand in the release dates, more so the deadlines for content and update and patches. So what that means is that you may very well see content gaps that have been greater than before because they are not pressured to make content in such a short window of time, which is going to be what I think might happen to destiny three. It may be delayed a little bit later than what people expect. I think that maybe even stuff such as DLCs or, um, uh, expansions because those are Bungie's pretty much made that a separate thing now that now that we got black armory, which is a paid DLC that is not an expansion exactly. by any real means. Yeah. Um, and I do think that you may see bigger gaps in time across those, but I think that the quality of content that we'll get instead, uh, or the, the, that offsets the, the gap in time, the delay that will be better than what we have seen. I think it's hard to judge until it actually happens. Okay. Well, let's get into the meat of it and just open it wide open. So the first thing, obviously, like we've already said, is that there's no there's there's none of this weird publisher pressure and putting their hand into the pot from Activision. Now, I think the first thing that me and Saul definitely agree on, and then, and then we can get into kind of the smaller details I about the game's handling. Um, oh yeah, but I mean, I, but there's other things that I want to talk about just a little bit, like what you're actually talking about right there. I actually have some slightly different things that go back to what I thought Destiny Two should have done to an extent that I knew to an extent it was a mixture of probably it was contractual of what what it was expected from destiny from bungie when they did the publishing agreement um but regardless uh you know the the biggest thing that i think comes down from all this is that the first point that me and Bla- that me and uh, saw immediately said when we were talking is that the number one thing that happens is that from here on destiny is entirely in the hands of bungie meaning that when they mess up, the onus is entirely on them and that they don't have the Activision scapegoat anymore. But on the flip side, if they do exactly what it sounds like they're going to want to do and take this into their hands and do what they know the community wants first and foremost and see how that's going to monetarily benefit them, then they also reap the reward solely. And Activision doesn't get any of that uh, that praise. Uh, so, I mean, I know that Saul agrees with that. Yeah. I mean, you want to add anything into that statement-wise? Not really. But the fact that you mentioned that Bungie getting the praise and Activision really didn't see limelight in that is important for something else later. Well, you can go ahead and break into it because that's I really what say, I wanted to do. Well, that's what what is important into that is that the most single-handedly important aspect about this separation to me as a Destiny fan is that now we know when we can truly hold Bungie accountable for actions that they take with this game. And that means on both sides. That means accountable for good things and good things bad. and bad things. And I think that a lot of people have been wrongly, and we're not going to go down the blizzard rabbit hole. I think we pretty much talked that out last night in the PlayStation sure. chat. Sure. But we went down the blizzard rabbit hole with people blaming Activision on blizzard stuff. And the very quick rundown of that is that we don't really truly know. 
everything. And They've been and with him for 10 years now. It's not something recently happening that people think like, oh, it's all Activision. You're just blaming Activision because that's the cool thing to do. Unless you know it's Activision stated from another source that it says this is Activision. Um, yeah. And it, I think that's that the problem it, with... Nine times out of 10, anytime that you want to put blame on one person when there's more on than the one... Publisher that when there's more the than guy. one party involved, that's never true. It's almost always both. The, yeah. Now, and, the, the severity of what, we don't know. And know? that's the... Uh, that's my that's my favorite aspect about this separation is that now we can hold Bungie accountable for the highs and the lows, no matter what they are. Sure. We can see the content that they're going to put out and see really what Activision did and did not do. Because according to uh, some other things that I've read about this is that really Deadlines and Eververse was the strongest stranglehold they had on that game. Mm-hmm. So what I'm really curious to see is what Bungie does with Eververse. And for those that don't know, Eververse is the only thing in the game that has micro. It's a it's a it's a service. Uh, it's a cosmetic service that has microtransactions. It has no pay to win. It has no it has no aspects of the game except for cosmetics, skins of guns and stuff like that. And you get armor sets that are the low like level ten that you have to for instance, the level cap six fifty. So like you have six hundred and forty levels to put in that stuff before it's max level. Um but that is what I am really curious about with the outcome of that. Is things gonna are things gonna become more cheaper? Is there gonna become an alternate currency that we can buy these with? I'm gonna assume no for all this, just because it's been a, it's been a thing now that works for them. Mm-hmm. I've seen often people who don't play the game, who aren't up on the game, think that this is some kind of really negative thing across the community. And Eververse, some pay to win. Yeah, Eververse is not that bad. Like you get stuff by leveling up. There's nothing that in there's there's been times I've bought stuff in Leververse like with real money to get like cool cosmetic things that yeah I I, to, I think I've told the story before I spent forty dollars on Eververse boxes in Destiny one to get the ghost ghost shell that was the ghost shell that had the the, the little sheet draped over it, yeah like a ghost yeah I spent forty dollars for that that's not hurting anybody that's not a pay to win feature that's not it's not making me better so I the ghost did nothing of value nothing it's, of value. it's entirely visual yeah, I mean it was a value but it was not a player advantage value exactly it, that's it, what it I mean. had a perk to it that was like it would not no statistical value no statistical value yeah. yeah it was it was helping you find other stuff or summoning your sparrow faster none of this has massive impacts on gameplay well and that's already that's just random rolls those random rolls exist on the normal items anyway right. but I think the biggest thing that you just said is they don't even have to worry about making another currency because they already do have now you could try and maybe remember when there was that uh, level gate I'll call it going on where people were thing, saying that they were actually slowing down the amount of experience they were supposed to be giving you was that so, actually going on I don't yeah, remember well, that or not from what people said yes we it don't was, know for sure but it sounded like what was going on is that Bungie had artificially choked oh you mean Activision because this is a negative thing well exactly so no, I'm, we don't, pl- I'm yeah. playing the part of exactly and that's Activision. what I mean is we don't know if Activision told Bungie like hey people are getting Eververse items for free too often we want to incentivize them more to spend money on them so we want to make it harder for them to reach this level that's supposed to give them a free one every day i play just to cut you off real quick every day i play i get eververse me too it's like every day i play i get a brighter i normally get three two to three i don't get that many but i also play on multiple characters a day too exactly and and, and the leveling xps are always different for me that i don't end up getting them but yeah like i think it's gonna be fine like i think that the overall statement of this for me at least is that i am really excited to see what happens i'm really cautious about the way it's going to proceed but I, it's, it's one of those very cautiously optimistic things like I love Bungie I've loved Bungie for the past 15 years mm-hmm. of my life uh, ever since Halo 1 that came out in 2001 that's been actually not 15 it's been what 17 years yeah um, but technically 18 but um, 
ever since Halo 1, I've loved Bungie. I think they have been one of the best studios in gaming. They create some of the coolest lore, and I'm excited to see what they do. That doesn't mean, though, that if they mess up, I'm going to be like, oh, no, no, they, they didn't mean to do that. They get like, a pass. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's now all blame is on them. And, of course, it's there are things that Which happen. Which is freeing, in, freeing and also terrifying. Yeah, because when, when they have the high highs, you celebrate those. When they have the low lows, yeah, yeah. What is it that you do? Like, people... What is the cry in the fetal position? No, it's, <laughs> it's like you hear this this used on dogs. Like, what is it? You rub their nose in the carpet or something. Oh God, okay. I never have liked that. Reprimanded, saying. yeah. But um, yeah, but you reprimand them. Look, I, I I agree with you, and actually, I think the wording used is exactly what I would use: cautiously optimistic. Uh, but obviously, that means that I do have a generally positive outlook on this. But you've you've said exactly what I kind of wanted to get into uh, in terms of why going by why saying that some things were so easily thrown on activision when they're not uh, i'm gonna do a quick plug for something that's not has has nothing to do with me but it is a good book uh, and thanks to blake for letting me borrow his blood uh, and pixels same but blood, blood sweat and pixels blood, by sweat, jason trier i still need a I, what is it you it's an audiobook right well you can buy the book or audiobook i listen to it as an audio i've been really wanting to read this book um so anyway there's a section that goes over actually destiny one and all the problems they faced uh and then there's been a lot of stuff online as well talking about the problems with destiny two prior to release and some are rumored and some of them are very realistically rumored, but we still don't know if they've ever been confirmed. Ooh. But this is what we will say. Activision may have had some of the problems. Bungie was culpable in the 99. Well, at, at least with the most massive problems that I think destiny has faced, Bungie's culpable in pretty much all of them. So if you listen to this book, it goes into the fact that Bungie, uh, when it gained its freedom, then trying to make this game didn't have a solid idea of what they were trying to do. And they kept trying and swinging around certain ideas. And that the reason that the first game launched in such a weird space is that it had the gameplay that they wanted more or less locked down from the way that the gun uh, fire felt and everything like that. But they didn't know how they wanted the handle story lore and uh and loot so they were kind of rolling through these different things and the game kind of came together in the last few months before it was supposed to release after being delayed a couple of times because bungie themselves as a company could not get their stuff together now this has what ended up happening is that after destiny one launched uh they slowly started bringing in more people to support the game and then i think part of what happened with destiny 2 is that the group of people that finally landed on what destiny was supposed to be throughout the development of destiny 1 that started to leave live team well in general but i mean yeah. but there was a there was a lot of people uh, essentially I can't remember exactly what the, the the thing was, but I was reading an article that went into it, and I'm fairly positive this is true. I didn't really look up the information, but it seems very plausible that less than 20% of the employees there are people that were in Bungie whenever they signed the, their little freedom from Microsoft agreement and they got out as, on their own. Yeah, dude, Less than 20% turnover, of the employees. Turnover for Bungie has been a very, very interesting thing to think about. When you go from 343 to Bungie, back, back when that happened in Halo, yep. technically Halo 4 and Reach, um, technically, Reach I think was the last Bungie. Reach, uh, yeah, game. Reach was yeah. the last Bungie made. But Halo. when you look at it, things like the Marty O'Donnell scandal that happened with Bungie, where it ended in a lawsuit, yep. very, very bad blood between them. It's a very, very interesting company to keep track of for the past sixteen years or whatever in my life. And it's important to say that that was all original Bungie's Bungie. fault, yeah. and it's all their fault too for the way that transpired. Like, so that goes to show you that Bungie is now doesn't have a perfect track record. They don't. Um, and I think when you look at the stuff they so were talking want, about. So as much as I like to, or I'm sorry, I'm just going to say this real quick. I didn't mean to cut you off. But you're fine, as much as I love them, that's not to say they're not perfect. Like I, I do that see they are them perfect, as yeah. the, that they're not perfect. 
they are not perfect. But you said it doesn't mean that they're not perfect. Does not mean that they're not perfect. Yeah, that's that's a double. You, it doesn't mean they're yeah. perfect. I got but, you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it a double negative, it, not a double. No, no, yeah, double negative. I don't look. I'm I'm hungry, but um. Yeah, it, it, it just goes to show you that like as much as I love this company that I will see the flaws in them and I do see the flaws in them just like I see the flaws in my Nintendo Switch that I have that is basically a portable indie machine that you know sure there, there's flaws to be seen and I think that there's a big problem in this in, in this in this day and age with gaming that when things like this happen people force the blame and force praising on the wrong groups mm-hmm. and that there's not enough help there's not enough accountability to be held for on, and, and we and talked either about way. this last yeah. night yeah how like when Blizzard messes up it's always Activision that gets the blame it's never Blizzard mm-hmm. well unless you really know that it's Activision that messed up I'm gonna hold them both accountable and it's it's ridiculous because in this day and age recently I keep saying day and age today I don't know why but recently there's been a lot of hate that always seems to fall on EA Activision Bioware it's Publisher. so easy to point the finger at the publisher exactly yeah. and, and I, sometimes that's warranted when you actually look at the problems that happened with uh, Dead, Dead Space 3's development that was, a lot of them came EA. it was entirely EA, EA yeah I'll say that's I, like 90% of those. And game, even really. Dead Space but, 2 was a struggle of, of the only reason they got to even make it as close to what they wanted for Dead Space 2 was because of time constraints. So, but yeah, it, it, sometimes blame and onus should rightfully fall into the publisher and then meddling too much, which to be fair, they are a business. They fund the games. It is ultimately up to them as to what they want their games to be. Uh, but continue, Saul. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> no, nah, I just thought of, I thought of a phrase. Struggle bus. Yeah, I thought of a phrase that Joe used and I was like, man, I'll, I'll give it every time I hear it. But yeah, it's, it's not really, it's, Realistically, it's, it's basically what I said last night and I, what I brought up at the very beginning, that when there is a company to be blamed, people, no matter if you love the company or not, you should still hold that company accountable for when they need to be blamed. Yeah. And it's, it's a very big problem that people have. I've done it before in the past. I like this company. I didn't want to see them mess up. So, I, I you know, you make up excuses for them. Sure. But in reality, recently I've come to see that that's not a, a proper way to go about it because if you don't criticize that company for when they messing for when they mess up, and when you stay on a company and think that like when there's something they're doing wrong and you're justifying it in your mind and you're you're justifying it to other people because you don't want it to be wrong but you think it is yeah. or you think it's right, you're hurting the company because they need to see that change because companies listen to that kind of negative connotation about a decision they've made. Sure. So. I think that it's important that that's just my little hidden message in this topic specifically because it's so relevant with Activision being the bad guy 99% of the time when in reality we don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be the perfect example of a studio that people have blamed Activision for day in and day out. And now we really know if it was really Activision or not. And the moment they make a big mistake... People are going to be like, wow. Yep. And it's going to be like, well, Bungie, you messed up. You better fix it. Yeah. And, and actually to round off what you're talking about, how they're not perfect, where I was going with the original point was that uh, Destiny 2 has been rumored and essentially confirmed from another people, but never officially confirmed by either Bungie or, uh, you know, Bungie as an official statement or Activision as an official statement uh, that essentially Destiny 2 had to restart development from the ground up about eight months before, uh, eight to nine months before the game released. Think about how crazy that is. And that all came down to the fact that Bungie couldn't get their stuff together again. This came down to Bungie's problems. Exactly. Now you, could, now you could say that maybe they were trying to be too ambitious within the time constraints given, but when you understand and you and you made a contract about what your time constraints are and then you still over-promise or don't get your stuff together and try and do it, it still falls on the Bungie. So when these things happen, it is ultimately, like we said, there's this mix between it being actually Bungie's fault and then some of the times it's going to be Activision's Cause, cause fault. Because when somebody messes up, you want somebody to blame. 
Yeah. When there's two parties, like when there's mom and dad, you don't know who to blame. So you automatically fixate on the one that you already have the least amount of good feelings for. So exactly. It's just always or the one that and you feel like they're the it's even easier because they're the ones funding it. So in your mind, the people funding are going to be the ones you want to try and get the most out of it. Yeah. And by doing so, they're going to bastardize the game. And you, sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. Uh, but to go into a, a point kind of now that we can stem off of that and kind of a segue from it. One of the things that I'm hoping that we see Des- we see Destiny do and Bungie do with Destiny that I feel like actually may have been, or, I mean, realistically it was both fault because they signed the contract, but it was obviously something that I think was more pressured from Activision to try and put a new game out and do all these things or Bungie trying to cater to what Activision wanted. So trying to do this in a way, because like one of the things that went to is that people talked about Destiny 2 went too uh, casual friendly in an attempt to try and pull yes. more players in. Yeah. And then what happened is that Forsaken actually fixed all that. It all the stuff it brought that, back the technical stuff that made... Exactly, that Destiny 2 launched without. Yeah. Uh, so with that said, a, a, in that particular vein of thinking, one of the things that I've constantly given crap to Destiny 2 for that I just did not understand, and I hope that Destiny 3 or whatever it's going to be, I always stated that in my opinion... Destiny 2 could have still been called Destiny 2 or Destiny how would, you, how would you feel if Destiny 3 was Destiny 2? Like, it was the same game. It was a $60 update. If it's a $60 update, exactly what I want. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going. Yep. This is what needs to it. happen. Destiny 2 should not have been an individual game. I'm going to say, though, just based off the nature of the way games work, since this is an on-console MMO, which is what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it an on-console MMO. I mean, I think we've been fair enough to say that it... It's the, it's the closest thing I'm, that you can call. Yeah, I'm going to say, though, just financially, it makes more sense for them to launch a disc version for $60. Now, whether or not that's going to be that the, I don't, it's a BB, ball bearing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's more financially you know advisable for them to release a next, the, 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 the game or an update on the disc or whatever. But like, I feel like if, if people have an issue with the game which I actually don't see a lot of with Destiny 2 compared to now, compared yeah, to then. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense to release it because it's almost like here's a brew, here's a new start. Well, well, this is why I'll say that I, I know where your intentions are coming from, but there's two things. We've already... Oh, no, no, I, yeah, I know. We've already I know seen the, the MMO business. Well, I don't think the downsides, but we already know that the MMO business can embrace well, this easily no, with a disc. That's what I'm saying. Of a it new is, game. Well, so like Forsaken... Yeah, Stormblood was going to say actually. 14 for Stormblood came out as a disc. On a disc. Yep, it was a 40. Forsaken as an expansion. $50 disc, I think, actually. Forsaken as an expansion trying to get people to come in. Some people who never even played Destiny 2, if I'm definitely if I'm remembering Donovan's conversation, but I know my own people. Donovan, we were playing the other day, and he said that he's had friends that he had that hadn't played this since Destiny 1, that Forsaken made them get back in that made them get into Destiny 2. Yeah. So you don't need Taking a, King was very similar to Destiny. You don't need Destiny this 1. new start. You they they're put out on a disc with the base game and well, the update I think on it's a disc. a mentality thing for some, certain. To people. some extent, but I think you can do that through messaging. Uh, Final Fantasy uh, 14 online when it first launched. Before a Realm Reborn. Exactly. When yeah. Realm Reborn happened, it was it's, essentially a new game and a new it mindset. They did the coolest way. I said that many exactly. times on exactly. And they podcast. Didn't, and they did not make it a new separate game. If you had a 14 account, I mean, it was and it wasn't. You didn't yeah. have to buy something new. If you already owned 14, Stormblood happened and all that changed is that you had to start paying your subscription. Not Stormblood. Or not Stormblood. I'm sorry, but a Realm Reborn. Um, 
Yeah. So, uh, Around we've already seen Stormblood. this happen. You can change the outlook of a game. Final Fantasy XIV was one of the most hated games that came out, and they were able to completely turn it around and release something that made a very, very successful MMO for, MMO, See, uh, for Square now with all messaging and making sure that the people who already owned fourteen, who were still playing for free at that point in time, all they had to do was to start paying the subscription. They'd already bought the game. Which if I Everybody remember, else, they got a new version on a disc that they could put in, and th- it was just there. I think I remember for the first three months, too, they'd have to pay the subscription probably they had not. a grace period of probably some not. Month. i don't remember if it was one two three six or whatever it was uh but yeah like it seems like we are all on completely the same page with everything and yeah, like so i'm really excited the way it looks like so would you agree are you swinging more towards the side of hoping that destiny starts to become a game that just updates i've said, I've on said the before i understand both, both sides. sides yeah like i don't i don't mind whichever way it goes but there are valid points on both sides on why it separate game new cons or new disc versus set new dlc new disc like it makes sense and i get it because there are still the one or two the one or two people this time around not 10 or 15 you saw saw back way back when but the one or two people that comment on twitter on a on the destiny advertised um uh twitter promoted things or whatever yeah you'll see who cares about this dead game and it's like the dude has no comments, no likes, nothing because nobody. Yeah, because the like, game's not dead it's anymore. That one guy that's just like this game's dead. It's like you are out of the loop. Yeah, Hell very on. much so. So quick, and this this is real quick. With with Bungie being able to, because they're already they've already they're already bigger than just their Destiny team. We already know that. We already know that they're working with NetEase in some form or fashion. What do you hope if this does even come to a point, if Bungie starts to grow into a multi-team studio, which technically they are because you have the live team and the uh, and whatever you want to call it, the other team uh, for Destiny, you know they they already bounce things between two. Yeah. Uh, but let's say that that's a multi. That's almost like taking the one team and breaking it into two teams. So if we're going to see them move into a new, if we're going to see this move and this uh, investment from NetEase move them into them growing big enough to make an entirely separate. St- team that exists within a similar housing or whatever. What do I want to see from them? What would you want to see them do new? So they've already said that it is not um, related to Destiny, and it's more than likely a mobile game. Oh, fair enough. It's that's too guess, very, too very. I'll common. give you that. So I guess what I was going at is we already know that the phone game is most likely because of NetEase. But Are you talking about what I want to see Destiny or Bungie do with se- separate from NetEase? Console Destiny. Yeah, RPC, Ma- whatever they decide Marathon. to do. Marathon. Okay, so pull me in what marathon is marathon is a very classic pc shooter that i think eventually came to xbox the original the xbox. name sounds familiar you keep talking a little um bit. you you've seen marathon before you played halo 3 and i know about not much the marathon no, armor, I, I beat Mar- i beat halo 3 not about the multiplayer because oh, the marathon okay. armor was armor in um uh, i don't know yeah you're not gonna be able to google it that easily um but you you um it was in Halo 3, and it's a very classical Doom-style shooter game. Oh, so this was their first game before Halo. First game before yes. Halo. Technically, uh, it was when they were working with Apple. So, yeah, uh, and I think it was, oh, actually, I did say Windows. It, I think it was a Mac-only game at the very beginning. It was. Yeah, you're right. But um, it did eventually come over to Windows. Did it come to Xbox? I don't think so, but like something in the back nope. of my head is telling me it did. Okay, okay, nope. good. But yeah, it's a very classical Doom-style shooter that like I would be thrilled to see Bungie redo Marathon akin to Bethesda and um ID id yeah. yeah is it id or id it's id okay that's what they call it soft i get yeah it's soft okay i just get those two or like i know it's not interchangeable but i would like to see marathon come back the same way doom came back 
And I think it'd be very cool to see. I think Bungie has the talent for it. You could see gunplay in Destiny is fantastic as always. So the gunplay in a fast action shooter like that would be great. Um, and removed from the idea because the one downside to Destiny for people who just like traditional shooters is that the, it's too fast. The game, well, not even that. The gameplay of Destiny, it, 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 and I've even loathed it a couple of times myself. But the game and what it tries to do and the way that it's set up, it requires bullet sponges. But right. other games don't. Yeah. It, it, well, and it's technical to, to move, I should say. Like, it's Destiny, for the per, for somebody who's not used to first-person games who doesn't play them that much, has a very steep learning curve in the way you use things, such as holding circle and stuff to use your ability. Sure. Or for, I mean, because like, you, you don't typically do that kind of stuff in first-person shooters. Yeah. It's all one tap. It, it is more palatable than, uh, again, bringing up Warframe, but it is more palatable than Warframe understanding what you're supposed to do in Warframe with your frames and stuff is way more complicated. <laughs> so Destiny, more complicated. Destiny have actually done a good job, or Bungie have done a great job with Destiny and making sure that how you play and stuff is, is, a, is, a, is a, like you say, it is a more steep learning curve, but it's not one that is that feels insurmountable without other people helping you. Right. You can play it on your own, and they do a lot of I'm just saying it's a steep learning curve for somebody who doesn't play first-person shooters. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, the second thing, the one I would, I would be happy with either one of these. I would be happier with Marathon, but if they would announce a complete remake, not a remaster, but a remake of Oni. Oh, yeah. Which is, a, for those that don't know, it's a PS2 exclusive game. Oh, was, that it, was, P, was it PS2 exclusive? I I'm thought, 99% sure that game was I thought it was just a multi-platform. No, um, but, but move, move uh, it was on. a mech game, basically, on PS2. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was not on Xbox. Double check me. I am. Check me. I am I'm, I'm looking right down, now. But, uh. Um, I would love to see either one of those games come back. Oni had a really, really cool character as the main character, too. She was awesome. Um, but other than that... Like, it was. PC, PS2. Yeah, I was going to say, I knew it didn't come on Xbox. Because um, that was the time I had both systems, and I primarily played Xbox. It was like... It, I remember, and I love the cover art because of it. The dude, art style they chose to use is like if Ghost you took Michelle. Cowboy Bebop and, and Ghost, Ghost in the Shell to yep. slam them together. Dude, the game is fantastic. So you, this is actually ticking into a, essentially what I wanted. Because look... What I want to see them do more than anything is keep Destiny alive, obviously, because it's a great thing, and they do a good job with shooter games, but you know how cool it would be to finally see them go back to something that's just not so shooter-focused? The thing about Oni that was so cool is that Oni had... It was third person, first of all, which is very yeah. weird for them. Uh, it was third person. Uh, the only time you see third person from them right now is is when you're dealing with swords and you know in, in a vehicle, essentially on Destiny. Um, the main character was a girl with purple hair. Um, yeah, but but the thing that it does, I can't remember that. Uh, but look, essentially, what it comes down to, the reason I like this idea so much, and I, I would be okay with them just doing something entirely new, but the idea of remaking Oni is actually kind of cool because it leads them to actually being able to do something they haven't done in a long time. Kanoko. I think they need to flex that they are they they can do more than just be a one trick pony with shooting games. I think it would be well, very cool. Technically, that existing proves that it's just they need to prove it again because it's but, been so. Long. But it's been over two decades. No. Uh, well, not since it came out, no, but since they started say, developing it. This... 97 is when they started developing it. Oni? Yeah. So that and game it, was it, in development at the same time. And Marathon it came out in came 2000, out. very early 2001. Because Marathon came out in 98. Four. 94? Yeah. That so, shows you how much I didn't care about Max because I was three years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so look, my, my, my thing behind that though is that they get to show a game where you're where it's third person. They're actually dealing with other moves. It's not entirely gun focused. And I think that that's how you do that. I think seeing, seeing them step back and do something that's a little more action adventure oriented or something like that. It'd be a good change. Because you've said it exactly right. I No matter what you want to say, and even though it was really complicated in Destiny 1, they do have really cool lore. 
They it, always have. Bungie. Okay, there are two things now. So put that lore into a uh, put that lore into something that's more focused on telling an amazing story instead of Destiny. Destiny is not as much about the story as it is about the gameplay. Experience. I do think though that like with the lore involving Destiny, the lore in Destiny that is not told to you directly. It's very similar to like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, but has some of the best lore in video game history, in my opinion, because I like space stuff, and mm -hmm. this is the equivalent of like space magic and stuff. Um, but the other thing that Bungie does really, really well is soundtracks, even without Marty O'Donnell. Yeah. So what what would be really cool to see is not something that is a remake of an older game of theirs, but a new cinematic story-driven game. See, that's what I want. I want something to see like, them do uh, something where they're... Because even Halo, that's the thing about Halo, even Halo is not really a cinematic experience. It never has been. What was that witch game called? The first-person shooter game that was, like, really cool-looking? Um, a they had, witch game. Yeah, like it was Witch Burn. Oh, the one uh, that you were talking about. Yeah, yes. the one I showed you, I think, yeah, like, four or five episodes that ago. That looked awesome. Um, uh, but, like, if they did something like that, where it was, like, very cinematic and very... Uh, Witchfire. Witchfire, yeah. Um, Which apparently is based off of a novel. It is, yeah. Uh, I think it's a novel. Or actually volume, so it looks like a comic. From over here. There's a game that was coming out that was written, uh, or based off of a novel that was written by the same uh, author of Metro. It's an indie game. I'm not sure. Uh, but either way, this is actually pretty interesting. And Dude, I, If Bungie see, was to make a game like this with their lore and their soundtracks... 10 out of 10. Like, I really want to... Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with them sticking with their first person and doing something more akin to what you see with like more this slower first or person, Dishonored. Yeah. This is where it's, more methodical, thought out, um, yeah. more... You, you, Dishonored is actually perfect of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a great example yeah. of, of going first person, but keeping some things that are, but keeping things that, because like one of the examples of that, right? Something that doesn't happen in Destiny at all, but you see in other games like Dishonored or like uh, the Batman Arkham series and Spider-Man and whatnot. I didn't see it as much in Spider-Man. It's actually one of the reasons I didn't think Spider-Man was as good. Uh, but natural dialogue that you only hear if you sneak around and creep around and you hear the NPCs talking. And you learn Dude, you learn lore by hearing Dishonored, talking and stuff like that. Not only Dishonored, Divinity does that. Really well? The best. Like, cool. there is just stuff you hear in that game. There is... there is. Uh, I've never seen this personally. I've had people tell me this, though. So, this is... Take this with a grain of salt. I don't know how true this is, but like there is when you're sneaking around, you can literally hear things that people are talking about that will initiate quests for you that you would not have access to unless you snuck around at that particular one moment. That's awesome. And like a hundred lines of dialogue and heard that. Yeah. But you would know to go do certain things to activate it. And that's essentially what I was getting at with uh with Batman. Arkham City was so great at that. There was so Dude, much dialogue that was not heard Arkham if you City, just busted in and started killing everybody. I remember and I, I love that idea because if you give Bungie the ability to do that, like we've already talked about, they have great lore. Let them tell their great lore in more interesting ways. There, I forgot where, uh, how much it was, but I remember reading the uh, the amount of Arkham City dialogue, like the count. Oh, was incredible for Dude, the time period. Tens of thousands. Yeah, it, ridiculous. Uh, like now, I, I, now I, you, I you say, see games, you see games going high now with things like The Witcher Three and uh, and. Um, obviously Red Dead Redemption. But when you look at something like Arkham City back in 2011 when it came out, that was that was incredible, you know? Yeah, I can't find it. I really want to say it was 13,000, like total lines of dialogue in that game, which when you think about it for a single-player Batman game, that is a lot of lines. Yeah. And that's not like... Don't don't get me wrong, not words. This is line. These are sentences. Thirteen thousand sentences and sentences. Sentences. Um, but 
my throat has still been messed up. Like ever since I got on with that that one night, uh, we when we talked to John. I was like coughing. I was like, I gotta go tonsil stone. Yeah, those suck. Anyway, so but, I mean, I don't want to have this going any longer if we don't have anything else to say. But I thought that was an interesting idea. No, yeah, I, what I, do you let Bungie do when they're not tied to Destiny? Because make one of those you know, three games. The thing about being tied to Activision is that it puts so much pressure on them that they have to utilize everybody to make sure they're hitting these deadlines that we were talking about. Honestly, um, like, this is going to be the real Fort fanboy answer. But when Destiny three wraps up completely in like whatever four years or whatever, whatever it is, yeah, make I, a new Destiny like universe game, <laughs> like not like the same style of Destiny, but like have it take place in the Destiny. In the universe make a cinematic lore. story in, yeah in, oh man would that would be really interesting cool, but change the dynamic but have it to a almost have it to where all their and, and you could go way different with it and they could tell a more personal single person story yeah like maybe you play alongside zavala 10 years back before like what all this the, happened you play stuff. through the origins of the traveler <laughs> that would be really cool that would be actually pretty cool because you would see because you would basically Maybe you were a speaker for the traveler that took you to the planets it visited. And like, well, because what's funny about the speaker thing is that the speaker, as we learned in Destiny 2... Well, there's there's a lot of depth to that line. Sure, Because sure. he says, like, uh, I said I speak for the traveler. I never said he spoke to me. But in reality, like, he made it sound like he was a con man, but that's half true. Because yeah. he still he still communicated with the traveler. Like, the, he was not a like a 100% con man. Yeah, I get, I get what you mean. But my point being in general is that it's, it'd be so interesting because I've always said that the, th- the thing that I hope Destiny doesn't do too quick is that they don't overly explain. And I think it'd be best for them to leave a lot of vagueness to the Traveler because that could be the penultimate way to make the final game in the Destiny universe. Speaking of which... And even then you could leave it to where, like we talked about with Kingdom Hearts, tell us just enough to where we understand something about Kingdom Hearts slash, you know, if we're using that one... Uh, slash the traveler if we're talking about Bungie, and then at the end of all that give us just so much to where we still have a couple of questions that are answered but we're satisfied otherwise that way if you decide that you want to make a new game in this universe way later you can continue on and find some new way to do it but i have a i have a feeling that from the stuff we've been hearing about destiny 3 story that i i think they're doing exactly that uh, they're not going to, the rumors, if they're true, is not going to give too much away about the Traveler. Not only that, but there was a, the main rumor from the leaker who has been right about everything up sure. until now and on of the nine leaked that there is almost a path you can choose in light or dark in Destiny 3. So that would be dope. And that's cool as well. That's yeah. a good way to move it forward. All right. Well, I think we are just about done with today's episode. It's been a pretty long one, uh, a little over two hours. So that's pretty cool. Uh, But with that said, Saul, I think that we have said everything there is to say. So this has been Triangle Squared. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our Patreons, our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Mikey12, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Blake Popst and Eduardo Palomino. Thank you for re-upping good, sir. Uh, if you would like to support us, like we said, the description is, or the link is in the description below. Thank you.